Welcome back to another episode of the Cinemasters of the Universe podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, the man to the left, your rental king, Ron Avis. And today we're going to be talking about a little movie uh, that doesn't really take place in hell necessarily, but I feel like it's a fitting intro theme to this episode of our Cinemasters of the Universe Halloween Spooktacular Extended Edition. Not really sure what we're wanting to call like because it's not no longer Halloween. But hey, we're still talking about a movie with a spooky theme as above, so below, released 2014. Uh, It's like, what if what if we made an Indiana Jones movie in the found footage style of cinema that was so popular uh, in the late 90s, uh, early 2010s ish around around the time this movie was released? Up until then, uh, and that that's a pretty interesting concept that I want to go ahead and unpack with my other host, my co-host to the north, the man who knows uh, no no small area is too compact for him. <laughs> he can handle it. He's not at all claustrophobic. Adam Peterson. This movie was a nightmare. <laughs> Just a fever dream. <laughs> nightmarish hellscape of <laughs> why is that man i had to i had to physically walk around the room that i was in <laughs> just so i could mentally be so aware and like my sliding glass door to the outside where there are no limitations it's like okay i can i know oh i can God. freely move around i'm not stuck <laughs> i'm not trapped i'm not trapped in here this movie is really, I imagine, would be really difficult to... Have you always known you're kind of claustrophobic, or did you realize it watching this movie? I, <clears throat> as it pertains to things like caves and like really confined spaces, I, I think I've probably always been... like It was like, oh, that's not, mm, that's not my thing. But it's funny, mm-hmm. uh, the comedian Nate Bargatze, who's one of my favorites... Um, he he talked about like what he because I'm getting ready to turn forty next year. He said it was one of those things. He uh, was real cool. Developed in his forties was this whole new claustrophobia thing. And honestly, since he brought that, like that wasn't the triggering point for me. Mm-hmm. But like he talks about like if he you know sh- being in an Uber share and like being in the back seat of a van all the way against the wall and just like in your mind knowing it's like. I could get out, like, if I told, i say, hey, can you stop the van and everybody get out? Like, it would be inconvenient, be weird, but, like, I could do it. I'm not stuck here. Mm. But just being, like, even thinking about being in that space, like, oh, that makes me a little uncomfortable. It's like, that's the thing. It's like, there's so many of these. I can get on an elevator and be fine. Even the idea, like, oh, this elevator could stop and we would be stuck. It's like, that doesn't freak me out. But, like, the idea of being in a space that, like, I can't. Like I can't move myself at all from. Yeah. Ugh, oh yeah. Like yeah, somebody's ugh. pinning you down, sort of. Yeah. But more terrifying because you know you, you know you're buried under something, right? Yeah. If you're being pinned down, you that means you're buried under something, which means your life is in danger if you're buried under anything. What unless you're buried under. Uh, you know, a couple of decks of playing cards or something. I mean, if I was but buried under a, a thick blanket of cotton candy, I'd be like, I can get out of this pretty easy. <laughs> I, can, I can handle I can, that. This would be okay. 
but like yeah i remember i mean like this I've, is a I've, delicious predicament that i oh, mean yeah that's a, that's a, get me stuck in that any day of the week and i'm fine <laughs> that's that's no problem but uh i remember and I, I i don't think it's like some you know secret story i'm sure i mean and i, I know there's iterations of it but i remember reading a story I, I know I've probably read it a few times, but it's been within the last year that I reread it. I remember a guy, I think it was like on Thanksgiving. It was some, I feel like it was Thanksgiving, which almost feels appropriate as we're nearing that. But it was like Thanksgiving Day, and the guy loved going like cave exploring. And like on mm. Thanksgiving, he goes, you know, and he, he would go to those little holes. That was his thing. And I was like, why would that ever be your thing? I don't know. Yeah. But he got stuck in a place that he couldn't get unstuck and it was like hours later people found him and there was this whole concerted effort to try and get him out and they're like what the place that he went into like he had to like suck in to get in and couldn't suck in to get out like they reached a point where like dude we can't we can't get you out it wasn't a matter of oh we need more resources we need more tools it's like we can't get you out and he died in there Oh shit! And it was just like, oh, that's what I'm like. Why would you do that? Why would you like, I like I the it's that whole adrenaline of I I know people enjoy that, but I'm like, the idea that I could get stuck in here because he was like upside down and like they, you know, they sealed off all the entrances where he went and put up a sign like as a guy. He's I mean at this point it was a few years ago, so I'm probably just a skeleton anymore. But he died in that cave just because he wanted to go exploring. Yeah, I'm like nope, I'm good. I'm good on regular land where there's not rock walls that would confine me into some sort of tomb-like experience. I'm good. Yeah, and being trapped in a cave doesn't necessarily even mean you are pinned down either. You no, no. you could you could lose battery to your all of your light source and be completely in the dark. Yeah, and you're basically as good as dead. Uh, you know. It, I don't know if you're going to be able to feel your way out of a cave. It, I mean, it's, I suppose it depends on how treacherous that cave is. Uh, like, if it's just a straight walk down, then you'd probably be okay. But in all of the instances that I'm thinking about with caves, like you're 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 repelling down areas, tight crevices, and yeah, uh, no. crawling through holes that you're barely big enough to fit in. You know, <laughs> you can find that hole. The, you uh, may drown because you could absolutely, you know, like maybe oh, yeah. slip into slip into like a recess filled with water and you, you can't get out or just something crazy like that. in the uh, immortal actually, words of, of randy jackson that's a no for me dog that's a no for me dog i'm with you man i am not a danger seeker or thrill seeker at all not like I the kids like in this movie my feet. <laughs> These stupid 20 something year old kids well, that's kind of, you know, but I, I don't know. I would say, are they really? I mean, most of the people in this movie are professional or like professionals. You have, uh, well, here, let's, uh, let's, let's do, let's do the housekeeping. Yeah, let's do housekeeping. Uh, $5 million budget, which is pretty good. Cause yeah. I mean, the m- most of the budget is just, um, uh, I'm sure just going to the actors and the like, whatever the location yeah, budget location. was, right? Uh, which they probably got big tax breaks, big you know, big incentives to film there. But I said early earlier before this, this is a movie directed by 
the team of John Dowdle and his brother, uh, what does I have his name here? Eric. And they worked together. They, they had made films uh, such as Quarantine and Devil. Actually, it's funny you'd mention the elevator, the elevator. claustrophobia thing. Yeah. So they have this sort of history with the found footage genre. They, they enjoyed it. And they really wanted to make an Indiana Jones-style movie in the found footage format, which is really it's interesting. Uh, I mean, the whole the whole style of, of uh, the format's basically dead now, but people could resurrect it. Don't make it just about horror is what I'm saying. Maybe do like adventure or something. Now you have movies. What was the movie that was uh, filmed entirely in first person? And Oh, Hardcore Henry. Uh, yeah, Hardcore Henry. I, I couldn't even sit through the trailer for that. And I don't necessarily consider myself to be too sensitive to motion sickness, but... I just don't think it sounds fun to be in first person with all of that much stuff happening yeah. to you so rapidly. There's a lot. But if, yeah, but if it were like um, an Indiana Jones movie, <clears throat> and you don't even have to film like the action sequences in first person, These, this isn't even hardly in first person. This is, you know, they're wearing cameras. So it's it, it, sometimes, you know, you're seeing a person... And they're they're staring off like what to, would be their face, but it's kind of looks like they're looking off. You know, it, it's it's not first person, but it is in a lot of ways. Well, Benji Benji's kind of like our first person character. We'll get more into the actors here as as housekeeping moves along. But um, so those guys were looking, I guess, to do something like that, and then <clears throat> Universal was looking for a project at the same time they were able to for the first time ever film get a permission to film in the Paris catacombs um which you know i i'm i'm assuming any sort of photography whatsoever was prohibited but uh especially filming a movie or some sort of entertainment uh content that you're creating some you know cuz you want to be respectful yeah, <clears throat> to the to the dead. Yeah, there's and there's real history and real, you know, <clears throat> in that space. It's like, oh it yeah, is. oh my lord. Well, they said like there were something like six million souls, <clears throat> or roughly a th like three times the population of current day Paris. Wow, that that's how many people are uh, buried in these tombs. And you're right. There, there is a real history. Part of what makes this movie interesting for me <clears throat> is it's sort of grounded in some sort of historical uh, facts and also some historical fantasy as well, some historical fiction. Um, but it, it feels grounded like an Indiana Jones movie would in a way. You know, like they're going after artifacts of, of religious um, importance like the the grail and and uh, the the cup or whatever I mean like the, you know they're going after artifacts that are not just made up for the movie they're not this some MacGuffin and this movie is about you know it, it takes place almost entirely in the catacombs which is a fascinating thing to me to be able to just decide to make a movie uh, with real 
skeletons and bones. Yeah. Um, because I, I just assumed that the thing was filmed because to me, and maybe, maybe <clears throat> there's just a small section. <clears throat> Sorry about that for editing. Tis the season. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, oh gosh, man, we're getting into just the allergies are killer right now. I can't, I can't even function because of these allergies. So I'm sorry in advance, everybody, if I'm a little scratchy. But we had to do this, you know, like I promised we were going to do it. And it's, it's so easy, especially for us to fall into these sort of hibernation periods. Yes. <laughs> and if we wait too late, we might do it again. And uh, by the time anyone at the earliest listens to this, it's going to be closer to Thanksgiving than Halloween, but... You know, we we'll be finishing about doing the, the spectacular right around Valentine's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. We'll release the final episode at Christmas. Yes. As I promised you. But we're just sort of having fun with the format because yeah. we like we like to we like talking about these things. We do. They're, they're they're provocative. Always. And so Universal had acquired the rights and they just were looking for a project where they could tie that in somehow. And so the idea of this sort of family's quest to find the stone, uh, the philosopher's stone, which is also kind of fun, especially if you're into like, say Harry Potter lore or anything yes. like that. You know, like people know the philosopher's stone. Cause it is legitimately the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I just find that interesting. And I, I think that if they didn't lean into the horror and they had, you know, committed to an action movie, they, it could have worked. But I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that the, the format is tailor made for horror. So if you can get in some action elements and some architect, like, you know, archeological ex exploration, if you can fit some of that in, which what this movie does really, really good or really well. And it starts out, yeah, you're in this kind of cave setting in Iran. And which I have questions because she had her. I'm, I'm getting off course. I'm getting off course. Let's finish housekeeping. <laughs> $21 million gross domestically and 41 worldwide. So it was a success everywhere. <clears throat> People all around and, and not just in the States enjoyed this movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score of 27. Which is harsh. That feels a little low. Because this is a yeah. pretty well-made movie, <clears throat> in my opinion. I mean, I can understand. I can see the flaws of it, just like I can see the flaws in any movie. But I don't understand why the critics choose to tear this movie down, of all movies. So it's definitely on the low scale, the low end of the, of the, of the you know, critical reception. And only a 40% audience score, which usually if there's a, poor you know critic score you can count on the audience to kind of balance that out like oh it's not so bad it's fun if you just take it for what it is this is what it is and you tend to trust that audience score for those reasons like hey if you like star wars you know nine out of ten if you hate star wars three out of ten yeah reviewers don't do that though they don't ever put those sort of contents you know or or parameters and like they don't ever set that expectation they just harshly grade it so anyways um so not very well 
uh, reviewed, but people did vote with their uh, their wallets, I suppose. It, it came out at the tail end of August, August 31st, which is right when they start dumping shit ordinarily. Yeah. N- nowadays, things is just completely, everything's off. You know, like all bets are off. Good content will get released any time of the year. You could find it in theaters or you could find it streaming, but you're going to find it. You're going to find like cinema quality something dropping it. Who knows any time? You know what I mean? Like it just doesn't matter anymore. Mm. So. <clears throat> well, and it's funny too now, with, that, with that release oh, date. Go ahead. <clears throat> with it coming right at the end of August. It's yeah. I, and I don't know what was what was coming out in September, but it is kind of funny when you think like if they would have pushed it even a couple of weeks to where it was coming up, maybe in like mid September instead of the end yeah. of August, because there is kind of that. I think we we've we've observed it in the past where it's like when you when you get into that that little valley between like the end of summer and like school is kind of already come back into session to where it's still really I mean it's still hot out I mean August is still hot. And even September is mm-hmm. not like, oh, leaves have all changed. It's sweatshirt weather. It's like, um, you know, in some places it is. But any anymore, it seems like September's, you know, just a slightly less sweaty August. But I don't know how many times we've we've said that something to that effect. Yeah. When yeah. talking about one of these horror movies and we right around when we did like discover the release date <clears throat> and we're like, why now? Why not? three weeks later or three weeks before it's it is it is funny like to like to see how that has become more because it feels like that would have always been a thing but i mean even go back a few weeks ago when we were talking about child's play it's like for child's play to be to debut after halloween it's like if you would have pushed (laughs) that back a few weeks yeah you probably would have got a way better reception it's like yeah and i don't know if i mean I, i feel like um, and I, I don't know that we've ever really done a deep dive into the uh, the logic behind release schedules. I know a lot of times it has to do with... No, no, that other, would be an interesting topic, though. Other yeah. studios and who's releasing what big titles and where do we feel like we could make the most money? Because I feel like that's probably the biggest thing. But it seems... I feel like most people know that Steven Spielberg's Jaws is sort of the movie that is responsible for what we know is the summertime blockbuster season. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you you have these kind of, you know, these these periods Moments of time, time, you know, yeah. when it ties into what people are thinking about, you know, kind of the general consensus of, of, of how people, you know, are are feeling and acting. And it's like, you know, when you, when you release a horror movie in September, I mean, you, you wait a couple of weeks. I mean, you if you release a horror movie midway through September. You've you've got a lot of possibility because people have started to get into that mode. I mean, you have by the time you get into mid-September, the back to school stuff is taken down and people are seeing Halloween stuff. And so they're kind of getting into that fall Halloween scary because sp- I I know, especially with social media now, I feel like once we hit September, I mean, cuz e- even the way that people joke about like pumpkin spice season I was like, you get into that mm-hmm. mode though. It's like everybody's looking oh, yeah. for that kind of stuff. Because what's funny is, even by the time Halloween finally does roll around, it feels like we're playing this tug of war between Halloween and Christmas. I was like, you. It, by the time Halloween yeah. night actually hits, if you walk into major retailers like Target or Walmart, they've got 
uh, <laughs> I remember it was, I mean, it was probably the week before Halloween when I was, we were, I was getting pumpkins with the boys and we were at Meyer. And they had four or five full aisles of Christmas decorations and stuff. <laughs> As, yeah. We're walking past the Halloween, the dedicated Halloween section with costumes and decorations. And two, three aisles over, it's all Christmas. So it's like, you're st- we're not even to Halloween. And I love Christmas. I'm all about Christmas. But I'm like, oh, yeah, nothing Halloween. against Christmas. Yeah. And but let us fully enjoy a season. I think that's the thing. It's like and not get a head start. You that, can hardly blame a business though for wanting to expand because it Christmas shopping season, just saying that is vague. Yeah. I mean, you your Christmas shopping season could be all year long. Oh yeah. Your Christmas shopping season could be the two weeks before Christmas. Yep. But it usually drives people to the store. It makes you think of shopping and buying gifts. When you exactly. hear that, you you start to get a little slight tinge of panic because you got to start thinking about other people's wants and needs and likes. And and that's fun, but it's it's just this like horrible flop sweaty nightmare <laughs> for like two straight months leading up to just like a few hours to actually enjoy the day and but, the time your family's together and everything. And be, because of that, I, I think I think that's why when you look at September, yeah. you, you you it's funny because you get this end of August kind of little dip where it's like the end of August could is just like this ambiguous, like we throw anything there. It's like, it might do good, might not, who knows. But it's like, if you take a horror movie and you drop it in the early to mid part of September, people at that point, it was like, that's when we, we start celebrating Halloween, like the second week of September. Cause we're like, by the time Halloween actually gets here, I'm going to have my Christmas tree up. So I can't wait yeah. till Halloween to celebrate Halloween. So you, so, but that, that's kind of that, that thing where it's like, I, I think, because I, I feel like the first it remake when that came out that September was kind of the first mm-hmm. time was it 2017, maybe. Yeah. 2017. I feel like, especially in more recent history, like that was the first time where I really kind of noted, like, if you put a horror movie in September, you're going to get, and I mean, it had plenty of, I mean, plenty of attraction and plenty of advertising. So it's not like it was yeah. not going to do well, but it was, it had a built in audience already. And yeah. but it was like, you, you, I remember the younger audience like, was very curious. About this is it. coming out in September. Why isn't it coming out in October? It's like, well, if you put it out yeah. in September, you're going to get a little bit longer run where you're going to have that spooky season, Halloween, all of yeah. that tie in. And you're going to get yeah. people lingering on this idea of, I want to watch a horror movie a little bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. They don't, they don't do these things haphazardly or, you know, with, without any sort of reasoning behind it. They, they have, they have data, I'm sure. And at one point, maybe it was the time, the, it was unheard of to release anything spooky outside of that window of, in October. But somewhere along the line, like a movie like Halloween comes along that makes a whole bunch of money and you start seeing the potential of making the money, you can't help but want to move that movie to a June or July yeah. release date, like, say, The Conjuring, which yep. was a total summer release and was massively successful. And then, like you said, a lot more of these sort of R-rated but... Um, high production value 
horror movies started coming out, like It and It Too. Big success. Um, uh, so, I mean, I get it. I get it. But it is it does feel a bit uh, like a missed opportunity for just the people who are, the, the you know, the, the content in which it's intended for would enjoy it so much more if you put it out at this certain time frame. But that... Then, but then they wouldn't make as much money, and you know what I mean. Yeah. So you kind of have to just accept it for what it is, and just know that that first time. And by the way, you know who your clear Halloween and Christmas people are in your social media feeds. Oh yes, the the minute uh, someone hears some Christmas music playing, and they just start openly griping and complaining about yeah. their choice, like why. It's not even, you know, whatever. That's the Halloween people refusing to let go. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> <They> rem- <laughs> I remember two years ago when, you know, it was it was uh, it was the beginning of October in the middle of the pandy wandy, and everybody mm. was just so beat down by everything that our local station that normally plays Christmas music start, and they used to start like midway through November. Because like, I remember it used yeah. to be like, when are we going to start playing Christmas music? And it was right. always kind of like this ambiguous, like probably like the second week in, in November. And Easily, that, yeah. Even now, it's like it's November 1st. They start playing Christmas music that day because I remember this. November I, I, 1st is becoming the day, yeah. It's, it's a, as like literally, psh, all right, Halloween is over. It's really getting further back. I remember for me and my family, Thanksgiving was the day that you turned the page and started decorating yeah. for Christmas. And, and a lot of times we would watch like the Thanksgiving day parade while putting up the tree. Yeah. That was just our tradition. And I know a lot of people shared that, but it just kept getting pushed in. And, uh, you know, Logan was playing with a friend in the neighborhood. And so, and he'd forgotten like the power of that cord to his switch. So I, I ran it to him and I'm knocking at the door, it's and they're like, "Come in!" And I right away I noticed big, beautiful tree decorated in the living room. Like, oh, that was a little bit unexpected. November first, yep. Um, or no, no, I think it was like November eighth when I saw this. But and and I walk into the living room area, and then <clears throat> another gigantic, beautifully decorated tree. Yeah, uh, in another part of the house. And so I was like, hmm, wow. And so, you know, Logan carpools with that kid that lives there. And I asked, you know, and I I asked like the really obvious, like annoying, like, wow, your mom really likes Christmas, you know? (laughs) And she's like, oh, yeah, November 1st. As soon as November 1st, you know, we we put it all up. And they have, I think they have something like seven trees in their house, she said. That's a a lot of trees. That's a lot of trees. And then another person in the carpool, they said, oh, we also have multiple trees and have put up trees already. And I'm like, wow, I am really slacking. But I think I'm just more in that it still feels like autumn to me mode. Yeah. And I don't want to think about closing the chapter so soon. Yeah. (laughs) And like, well, let's, I understand everybody loves Christmas. Even if you're not Christian or like, you probably enjoy the sentimentality of Christmas, right? Just the way it makes people feel. And you may not agree with like the religion that it's attached to, but 
you sure gotta love all the pretty sparkly lights and the tin, you know, like the there's tinsel a lot of great and, stuff regardless of where you're coming at it from. I mean, Christmas before is, before anybody even says Jesus, there's a lot of things that anyone can enjoy about Christmas. Yeah. Uh, including, you know, purchasing gifts and giving them away. I mean, this is, this is a thing. It's just, there's everybody benefits from Christmas. Like everybody gets presents, you give, you get, it, it's just the whole thing. And then sometimes you see people you haven't seen in a long time. Sometimes you see people, you remember why you don't talk to them anymore or whatever. There's a lot of stuff tied into the Christmas and, and how you celebrate. And, and for me, it was tricky because like, you know, parents weren't together. It's like, Two Christmases, sort of, kind of yeah. people, and that, and that, that to some people, like I feel like that's kind of a good thing, like it's where it's played for a joke, like yay, two Christmases. It's like it's not good because you gotta just as you're getting settled into one Christmas, you gotta leave and wa- go to another go Christmas. to the other Christmas. Yeah, I gotta go to this other Christmas. More Christmas. You know, there may be yet another Christmas you gotta get up and go to. It's it's like fragments of Christmas. It's just a window, a, a window peeking into Ron's sad life. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this podcast has become. This, this podcast, we're just depressing everyone. Just all everything. of it's just <laughs> everything. The movies, it's all just garnish for the real thing. Real reason why we're here <laughs> is well, to break down why I am the way I am. Welcome to clinically why depressed I was abused. with Ron and Adam. <laughs> Oh gosh! Everybody needs a lubricant, and that movies are my lubricant. What can I say? Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ! So this movie starring uh, Perdita Weeks. Uh, wow, what a name! She is Scarlet. Uh, Scarlet is British-born actress, and she doesn't Americanize her voice, which I find refreshing. Uh, I always feel. And I know they're acting, it's they're actors, but I always feel a little bit disappointed when an actor who portrays a character who's very, you know, not British is being interviewed. And for that first time, you know, they're like, oh, my God, you know, like there's English and then there's really Cockney. Like you get yeah. like a person such as um, Daniel Day Lewis. I don't know, like one of these guys who just like have a real thick accent. Like, you know, it's impressive that you're doing these accents convincing. Like, Colin Farrell's another guy. Like, he, if he were to just speak his, like, natively, how he would normally speak, he's just one of those Irish guys who's just hard to understand that you would, you know, like, you're watching a movie, like, Snatched or something. One of those, some of those guys. Like, I need subtitles to really, I kind of get, I'm taking context clues and I'm putting words that I understand together and I'm getting it. But there's no doubt 80% of what they're saying is unintelligible to me. Right? You're having I can't to work a lot them. harder. It's tough. It's really tough. And I know people may be like, oh, well, that's xenophobic, dude. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe no, I am. Maybe that's just another fact. realization like, that I got to come up with. <laughs> like, no, I literally cannot Why understand Why can't they this sound person. more American, damn it? <laughs> it's, it's when I was like, uh, you know, it, it's has, it has, <laughs> some of it may be a person's accent, which is, it's like, okay. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. think, think, I mean, even within, even within the United States, you know, you talk to somebody that's got a thick accent from any region in, in the, in the country. And mm. you're like, you, you might have to, what was that? And, and then, because any then when rural you in, area of any state, I don't care. All 50, the most East coast, West coast elitist area that you can imagine is that has a pocket of rednecks or something. 
Well, like and, a redneck living near them. And on top of that, <coughs> yeah. you have you have people that are. I mean, you're using colloquialisms and slang. Oh yeah, and that's all, even a harder part. It's like okay, so I'm already struggling a little bit, and then on top of that, like you're making references <laughs> to things that I'm completely unaware of. And he's like, "What is that?" Oh, okay. Because it can it can get to be real quick. Where it's like, even somebody who's speaking English, you're like, "I don't have any idea what you just said." It's like that scene from European Vacation where Clark's got his little translator out, <laughs> and they're in London, and the guy who's like, you know, he's talking like what you're saying, you know, like he's words that have translated meanings in English, but it's not like he's speaking another language. It's English, but yeah. just different English. words. Hundred percent. And he's like, Dad, he's speaking English. Yeah. <laughs> the translator's like working hard, like, uh I think it's just English. I'm not sure. We need we need we need regional diction here, please. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, uh so yeah, uh she's British and you she she's had a few things. I, I suppose the most recent thing anyone would recognize her for she played ogden morrow's wife kira in the ready player one movie and and apparently she also is in a, several episodes uh she must be a main character in the, the magnum pi reboot series which <laughs> wow it's got 77 episodes to date i am shocked that there's that many that's that's at least four seasons right maybe five seasons like... worth of episodes yeah because even the networks, even the big networks, just don't order the, the amount of episodes they once did. No. Or if they do, they make it a little bit less, and now they have, like, mid-season finales and shit like that. So they yeah, can stretch like it out that. a bit further. Nothing works the way that it used to anymore. I know, I know. Sorry, I'm an old guy. I, I've, I've seen a lot of things work, and I've seen a lot of things fail. And I, when I see something failing, I recognize it. Yeah. <laughs> We've been around um, the block once or twice. We have. Uh, ben Feldman, who is, I think I would say, probably the most recognizable actor in the movie. He plays George. And I I know him from, I within the last year, watched the entire episode, or the, the entire season series of uh, Superstore, the uh, former NBC comedy that just looked, dreadful anytime i'm watching a football game on uh, or something on mpz and they would have the whole run of you know shit that's coming up on nbc yeah and they would have like some sort of little 10 sec 10 second clip of superstore and i'm just like Ugh. this is this is like if the office coughed up a hairball like the hairball would yeah. be superstore <laughs> it's it, it just because it comes from someone who was involved with something you like doesn't mean it's any better. Like it could still be a piece of shit. From the guys who drove past the studio where they made the office. <laughs> right. Now, I, it but what it is very good at, it's a very mind like mind go like put your brain at like 30% like cruise control and then do other tasks. And it's it's very good for that because you can look up from time to time and kind of giggle and snicker. You know what I mean? And you're not going to lose your mind and go crazy with laughter because that would be distracting to your work day. <laughs> but well, I watched every episode <clears throat> and I found it enjoyable. And Ben Ben Feldman was one of the main characters in that show. And I, I found him enjoyable then. 
Um, do you have any thoughts on Superstore? <laughs> uh, it's a, a wonderful Mark McKinney of Kids in the Hall vehicle. Yes. I, I Doing think... a weird kind of voice that he never abandons. But, no. You know, that was this sort of character trait. But yeah, kind of was... like, um, he's kind of like, who is he? Who did he remind me of? There's a, there's like a lion, like a cartoon lion. And I can't think of his name, but he's kind of like, yeah, you know, I talk kind of like this. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, it, it's got to be like some sort of Hanna-Barbera cartoon where it's just like, eh, yeah, I don't know. He's, eh. he said that that's sort of the, the tone, the tone yeah. that he has. I don't know, but he, he talks like that throughout the show. Uh, and uh, But the, the cast, the whole entire cast is pretty good. And if you have experience working retails, like I do, um, most of the really broad humor just applies to any place you've ever worked. And, you know, I found it enjoyable. I'll tell you what, I find it more enjoyable than the current blockbuster. Uh, oh, yes whatever that is i mean if you like it that's cool it's just like superstore it's kind of it's very it's the kind of show where i watch like the first three or four episodes expecting one thing um not really expecting but i, I knew it took place modern day that so like what i'd saw i I'd, I'd hoped it was going to be some sort of um uh period area like you know like 90s era sort of workplace comedy and but no, they're like, oh, no, no, this is the last blockbuster. So all of the current topics, you know, modern day, uh, everything like it's Well, it's cheaper for starters, I guess. They don't have to dress everyone in, in 90s attire. And I, I don't know why they would do it the way they did. I just don't get it. It's it, so uh, disappointing. It was. And, but, I mean, you know, like sometimes you can't you can't penalize a thing for not being something you'd hoped it would be. But then on top of that, it's just not very good. You know, well, I'll watch it. I, I think I think the thing is, as we were talking about offline, uh, like it, they're trying to capitalize on the fact that it's blockbuster and the name recognition there and the nostalgia of it, but the fact that it's taking place at a blockbuster is a complete side note. It's just that oh, this is a failing business. Like blockbuster hasn't been a thing in like fifteen years. For most of America, and and like even or the world, rather, and even the last remaining blockbuster is its own thing because the people of that community support it. I mean, like Family Video was still going strong until the pandemic hit, and then yeah, you know, like which is funny that people weren't going out and renting movies. I think it was just that people weren't going out. I mean, you couldn't you couldn't staff them. You couldn't yeah. You know, it, but so it was it was like there was I mean, there yeah. was still a strong video rental chain that existed in more suburban areas. Um, no, the, until- every time I was in that place, um, th- there were always several people browsing the aisles, which I found really, you know, heartening. Yeah. To, not- to know that they're, they're the only game in town. If there were any others, they would both fail. But since they were the only game in town, and they they kind of have that sort of, hey, we're all movie fans here, you know, like that, that. It just had a vibe like that. It was like, hey, we we're keeping this business open. We know we're irrelevant, but we just love this vibe so much. We're just going to keep this brick and mortar store. Alive. Yeah, it was like you know, it's the idea that it's. I mean, it, it's not 
it's not you're not going to find you know 20 of them throughout the city i mean we we had a couple and you know there's one over that was in uh southern indiana there was one that was in jaytown you know i was like yeah there weren't a ton of them but it's like that was the thing no. it was like you know when it was when blockbuster when video rental places were the thing that people did there were several chains you know a number of stores and you could go you know on any block and and that was there it's like it was kind of like a few years ago when frozen yogurt was like the thing and it was like everybody was opening a frozen yogurt store and then everybody realized mm. i don't like frozen yogurt this much and like 90% <laughs> of them fail it's like we still have frozen Those yogurt those sons places. of bitches at the frozen yogurt company have convinced all of us but yeah, that we like, like this the the but like the 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 show itself it's like okay well it's just set at a business that's failing and it's like it has yeah. nothing to do like people that worked at blockbuster they were probably the people who were most excited for the show coming out it's like this is i mean like the the old lady was the only one who would even be old enough to even yeah well, well but no the the main the main stars of the show yeah are i mean randall park probably to, i mean like because he's right. around probably a little bit older than us but melissa fumero she's probably around the same age maybe give or take yeah but it's yeah. like the the kids that are working there. It's like, no, you wouldn't have. Well, one of the kids is sort of like the wants to be Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, and I'm like he's supposed to be us, I guess. But I would not hang out with that guy. That there's, guy sucks. There's a couple of kids on TikTok <laughs> that he reminds me of that are yeah. that I was like okay, I can see this, but it's like that that's not a strong enough uh, archetype to be. I mean, it fits here because you're in a video store, but it's like, yeah. I mean, it was the Jamie Kennedy character in in uh, Scream, so I was like, yeah. How many people are knocking down Jamie Kennedy's door these days? Not a lot. So, it's it's not a, you know, it it is. It's just it's it's unfortunate that it just ended up being a not just kind of a meh kind of series. Ten like I. I wouldn't anticipate a second season. If there was one, I'd be a little bit surprised no, just because no. No, I don't think, I, I don't think so. And it. It, it didn't look expensive at all. So they could, it'd be one of those series that they could easily string along. Yeah, they if just people were interested throwing there. There've been two recent, really good, really strong, uh, interpretations of like a retro video store setting just done. Right. Yeah. The first one obviously is from stranger things where they're working at the video store, and the video store is not important to the success of the movie or the show. I mean, like Blockbuster is seems Which to I be think that important. Was a family People, video, wasn't it? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. But it, it looked like one. But it had an it had another name, like a made up name for the show. And uh, but you know, it's just characters in the movie, and you're enjoying the nostalgia of seeing the old posters and the old movies, and they're talking about them. But it just doesn't feel like a, a gimmick because they're in the period. It works. And also, I, I really enjoyed the part in Captain Marvel when she lands in the blockbuster video and you're seeing a similar thing. Like, oh, look at all the, like, it, they, it's, it looks like a blockbuster video in early 90s. <laughs> it's really fun. So, you know, they could have done that, but I suppose it just would have been a little more work. Maybe... I don't know. Netflix, the way they spend money, I can't imagine them saying no just because something costs a certain amount. Yeah. Well, it was just a lazy, uninspired show that I hope dies because it doesn't deserve my attention. <laughs> Next. They they just have, I mean, they have their 
budget that they throw together every year for their own programming. And so they have the yeah. freedom to say, what are we going to put that we got to put this somewhere. What are we going to put it on? And I don't think this yeah. one's going to be successful enough to, um, yeah. to make, I, I know absolutely. There's, if people are talking about it on like Twitter and things like I'm not seeing it, that, you know, that circulation that, you know, like if something is popular or not, it's just going to come up everywhere and it's just not coming up anywhere. So e even if I were surfing uh, a subreddit just devoted to Blockbuster, it probably wouldn't even be in the top 20 threads. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody's talking about it. No. Nope. <sighs> That's a fun little side conversation. But yeah, Ben Feldman, um, he's also in Cloverfield. So he's sort of already had some experience filming uh, like a found, found footage, footage style movie. Yeah, and I was watching a few of the little featurettes. I was disappointed. I, I bought the Blu-ray for this movie. Been talking about this movie, uh, especially for Spooktacular, for a couple of years now. Yeah. Just now decided to go ahead and do it. Because it was one of the, immediately one of the first movies I thought of when we came up with the idea of doing a Spooktacular. It was, a, it was already on my list, and it just kept getting pushed down because I would think of something else that just felt more relevant and more fun to talk about. And it would just keep getting pushed down. Like, you're going to get talked about, little buddy. You know, don't worry. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to go for a walk one of these days. Um, finally made the decision to do it because it really, I, I really enjoy the movie. I think it's a good movie. I think once I saw featurettes where the, 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 the makers of the film were talking about how it kind of came together, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Like, here are these guys who like to tell stories in the found footage format. They understand it. Uh, they know the actors understand, you know, like there are benefits to doing this style of filmmaking. One of which is you give the actors a whole lot more freedom to move. Whereas in most movies, you have a spot for technical reasons. You have to stay within these certain areas. You can't just move around on a, like a spontaneous win because the shot would get ruined. The lighting wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be in focus, what have you. You know what I mean? So with, with this style of footage that you're filming, the actors, and because of this, they probably just got multiple, multiple takes that they could just use and also being like digital filmmaking. You just, there's just probably hours and hours of every scene from that movie. There's just hours and hours and hours of takes. Yeah. And the actors enjoyed, they seem to enjoy, and it may, they could have just been promoting the movie, but I feel like that makes sense to an actor. And a lot of the little scenes where the actors are reacting to each other, that's in the moment improvisation almost always. Like, yeah, there's a script, but there's a lot of little touches, little embellishes by the actors. Embellishments, and, and yeah, you can tell that, and it comes through, and it feels more genuine. Unlike Cloverfield, this movie doesn't have like a too much shaking going on. I know a lot of people's problem from the get go of the found footage. This is can't handle the shaking uh, to simulate. You know, it's kind of like what a Michael Bay does. Like anytime there's some sort of fast racing scene, just the camera's shaking all over the damn place. Yeah. You know, the actor could just be sitting still, but it makes it look like they're in an earthquake. Well, <clears throat> and that's just like artificially, you know, created. Um, like kinetic movement and it's, it's sickening to us to perceive it that way. And one of the things, one of the things you do 
<clears throat> get a lot of benefit from this style of filmmaking. I mean, first and foremost, if you, I mean, if you wanted to make this, this story as a, uh, an actual production, you would have had to do sets. You, I mean, the, the spatial, yep. um, constraints were such that you, you, I mean, it would be impossible in some, some of the settings to be able to film it with actual film equipment. You wouldn't be able to light it the way you want to. You wouldn't be able to get cameras in and out of where you need to, to get the angles you want. So it's almost, it's almost, it was almost a requirement to make a movie like this. But I think that's where it really works to their benefit is they, they were skilled enough in the way they were doing that, that it brings you into the space. And instead of the set and the scenes and, you know, the, the other parts of the movie, the the backdrop that is important in other movies, it becomes that much more intimate and really reinforces what we're talking about here. We're talking about an enclosed space. We're talking about, you know, there's a, a tightness, of, you know, a, and an urgency to the things that are happening that feels far more intimate because of the way that these people are interacting with what's around them. I mean, when they're moving in, you know, in tight spaces, when they're crawling, when they're swimming, when they're, <clears throat> when they're moving in these, these places, you feel that. I mean, I, I you know, I yeah. joked at the, at the top of the, of the episode, but I mean, it really was like the only other movie that's done that to me is buried with Ryan Reynolds, where it's like, I have to get up and move around some because the claustrophobia of what's happening here is so tangible. Mm. And I think, yeah to bring that back to the filmmakers, I think they would, that would be a, uh, a, a win for them. Cause I feel like that's, I mean, they're taking that fear and applying it to this because they, they, they have that fear, but they also have the storyline. Cause it's not just, it's not just, you know, creepy because they're in an enclosed space. There's elements of the story that are also creepy that are going on simultaneously. And so by marrying those two, marrying that fear that already exists of being in an enclosed space for so many people and even intensifying it to make it a fear, if even if it's not something that gets on your nerves, that that creates that tension in a real way. It's it's nice because yeah. it's almost like they circumvent it. Like in a lot of stories, you got to really kind of cook that tension up. And it's almost intrinsic in this story just because of the setting. And I liked, uh, like, as much as I didn't like it in that claustrophobia way, I appreciated yeah. it in the movie making way because it really employed that nicely. Yeah. And they have to be um, sort of inventive, I'm sure, in a lot of ways to get some of this because they, since so much of it is filmed um, <clears throat> like 200 feet below, you know, they're. Like the elements are real. Like what you don't get, you don't get any of the senses that the actors are getting being that far underground. Like if you've ever, I mean, we, we happen to live really close to one of the biggest cave systems in all the world. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but I've toured down in those caves and it's fascinating. Like it's a, it's beautiful. It's amazing, but everything's been carefully laid out for me. There's no danger anywhere. I know for a fact that there are so many places that are probably more like this movie that are very claustrophobic, tight spaces, 
and people just keep discovering new areas like all the time. Like even to this day, they just like, well, we just discovered several new miles of, of caves and there's people get excited. They get to go in cause they know it's a place. And then like, you know, one of the characters says something like in the movies, like light hasn't touched this in, you know, 2000 years yeah. or whatever. Like that, that's a fact. Like light has not touched this part of the world in like, you know, to like uh, to to millennia yeah <laughs> it's, it's nuts it's nuts um and 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 also well i was gonna say like it really it, it it's gonna present several challenges that are unique to just this movie uh such as you know i was watching the feature ad again and the actors and all of the scenes where they're kind of running uh there would be a line of filmmakers six to seven people in a straight line running with them blind, you know, like not even really fully understanding where they're running to yeah, because their eyes are on a monitor or they're holding up a, a, a boom or they're, you know, they're, they're whatever. There's just five, six, seven guys, including the director sound guy. They're all running together. One of them falls. They all fall that kind of thing. So there's this real danger in it. And the air feels different down there, and the sounds, there's all kinds of weird sounds, I'm sure. It's got to take its toll on you being underground for, like, because you know how these film, they, you know, like, it, they block off so many days, but they work the entire day for that yeah. day. <laughs> there 18, aren't, 18, it's not 19, a, 20 hours. Yes, it's not a 9 to 5 kind no. of thing. It's like, if you want to be a filmmaker... You you're just you're giving up all of your time to make as be- as good a product as possible. Well, and I think and I, I admire <clears throat> like them making a movie that really looks this good for five million dollars. Like I'm impressed. I I think I don't I, see how anybody couldn't watch that movie and go, "That's impressive." Yeah, because uh, I, I think like in, in thinking about like the Blair Witch Project, which was uh you know a, a phenomenon in and of itself, um, right. but like one of the things that really worked. Uh, in the Blair Witch Project, <clears throat> kind of in an almost like an inverse kind of way, was uh, you know you have the story uh, of the Blair Witch, which was the you know the what drew them in. The, that's the creepy part. That's the you know and and even in that, I feel like this movie had it took that storyline and it was a little bit more fleshed out in a satisfying kind of way, to where it's like okay, I get more of you know the the reasoning. There's you know like f- the Blair Witch you know, kind of ends on that note, which is, you know, it's still creepy, but it's, I know for a lot of people, it's unsatisfying. It's like, I don't really know, you know like, yeah, it's it's scary that the guy's facing the corner because I get the connection, but it's like, at the same time, like, I still have so many questions. But like, mm-hmm. one of the things that they paired with that, the creepy story was the fact that they were just kind of perpetually lost in the woods, which is a real kind of fear. Same, same as the claustrophobia. And so I was like, I figured that's where you were going with it. Yeah. Just yeah. being in the woods, it, unless you're just an experienced outdoors, you know, like person, I, I, you know, like some people like a Ron Swanson would have no fear in the woods, but yeah, for a, a lot of people, at least that I know, <laughs> just being in the woods period feels dangerous. Cause you just, I mean, it's, first of all, it's the fear of the unknown. You yeah. don't know what's out there with you. You know, that wild animals are living it's in the in the woods and some of them would like to eat you probably 
that's not even with all of the subconscious fears that have been learned in you're just kind of buried into your brain subconsciously about shacks in the <laughs> like just like abandoned houses in the woods or, or yeah which happens you sometimes you just will come across a subdivision that you know the woods took back it's the only way i can think of to say it yeah a foundation completely surrounded by trees i, I lived near a uh, wooded area growing up and I would take walks through the woods, but it, it always felt scary because even though the the sec the patch of wood, I mean, if I just kept walking in a direction, I was going to eventually walk into a subdivision or a street or something, train tracks. I, I would hit it. Not exactly like Blair Witch where just, oh, gosh, you're just going and going and going. Uh, but. Like, again, you don't know what you're going to come across. And there would there would just be weird things in the woods, like foundations of houses, like abandoned cars, boats. Like, why are these things here? This is so weird. Well, and and just, you start building up this story or mythology in your head and then you're boom, you're freaked out. Well, and there was because I know <clears throat> I know a lot of the. um uh, like I, I, one of the phenomenon on YouTube that kind of ties in with this is, I mean, people that will go exploring abandoned places like that. Um, and cause it was, it was, as you were talking, I was, I was thinking of, um, the, the story uh, it's, and it's relatively close to, again, another, uh, you know, talking about caves that are close to us. Um, mm. I don't know if you remember us from a few years ago, they, there were the stores, the Y Louisville stores that we had in town, the guy that owned those, Will Russell, mm. he owned uh, Fun Town Mountain in Cave City. D- did you ever hear about any of that? I know. So I know all of the little attractions and things that you see it near Mammoth Cave, which is the cave, the location. You know, like we we I think people know around where we are. <clears throat> In, in Kentucky and Mammoth Cave, there are all kinds of like these little sh- kind of shoddyish uh, towns and attractions. There's like dinosaurs. Yeah. Uh, you know, just just weird, like just doesn't have anything to do with cave stuff. But it doesn't stop them from building these things and it doesn't stop people from, from checking them out out of curiosity. Oh, yeah. But no, to answer your question, I don't know where you're going with this. I don't oh, know the, what, the, the, what the, the controversy was. The Fun Town Mountain Place... I mean, I, 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 if I remember correctly, I mean, there were like, um, actual set pieces from, uh, the original Pee Wee's Playhouse show that were there. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. this, the guy, I mean, the guy had all, I mean, like there were like, um, original like showbiz pizza and Chuck E. Cheese animatronic guys. The, the whole thing, the, the guy went nuts. I mean, he vandalized his stores. He, I don't think so. I think he sounds sane. He, he, yeah, he was uh, already a little off because he invested in a place called Fun Town, Fun Town Mountain. Um, oh man, just mortgaged his whole entire like his kids' lives, his life. That was the, their sh- like. We're gonna take it all in the pot and we're gonna spend it on Fun Town, Fun yeah. Town Mountain, Fun Yay. Town Mountain. Fun Town Mountain sounds like one of those places that a van full of 20 something year olds would be like, Oh, let's go check out this fun. Like they stopped to get gas and 
Like, you know, they filmed the juicy fruit commercial at Funtown Mountain. Yeah. Is little known fact. You're like, they, they go in, it's like this little podunk town, and there are these, you know, there's uh-huh. hipsters the lake. from. There's a lake. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're hipsters. Oh, shit. From, we're going to get white people water skiing. Let's like, go. Oh, oh, look how, look how podunk this place. Oh, dude, Funtown Mountain. We need to go. And they have like their cell phone cameras out. We're like, ah, oh, look, it's Funtown Mountain here in the middle or, of nowhere. Or Jupe's claim, Jupiter's claim, like that, or the, yes. you know what I mean? Like, like from when yes. we were talking about nope that whole thing is like what is surrounded by mammoth cave like every if you take that part of the movie and just multiply it it's there everywhere <laughs> it's like why would i why am i spending my time and money here just because it's here <laughs> i just feel like i should be here and you get there and you realize this is just a bunch of somebody's shit and they're just making me pay to see it anyway it's about this guy well, that, that just the talking about like, you know, that whole um, like they're just a, abandoned. Or like now, people because I remember watching the video of the guy that went because Funtown, Funtown Mountain was shut down, and yeah. uh, like guys. I may going have through, to look for that because I really enjoy watching those videos. Oh, I mean, it's one of those things like it. it you like it, it's because of movies like this one, a Blair Witch, the found footage stuff. That I watch this mm. guy's videos on YouTube that I have to like mentally walk myself through is like, okay, the guy went there, filmed all this stuff, and he put it on YouTube, which means he's still alive and he didn't get he's eaten fine. by something here. Yeah, he's fine. But it, it, like watching the video, it, it like it's it's so funny because like, you know, we have we have this as as this whole genre of films, and when it's done, because uh, I, I don't love found footage movies, I really don't. I got burnt out with it quick, but like watching watching this movie. Um, this is one of the ones where I'm like, okay, if we had had more of this, like the first paranormal activity is great. The subsequent mm-hmm. five movies that followed it, mm, not as great. Yeah. You know, yeah. you have Blair Witch Project. There's so, there's so many rules to making a movie like yeah. this. I was like, this is, this is one where, um, you get, I mean, you get really decent production quality out of it. And there's, yeah. I mean... You know, it, it's when I was like, it's unfortunate that a movie like this is never going to be, oh, it made $300 million at the box office this weekend because it's just, yeah. it's not going to be a huge, huge enough deal. And it's, it's still, it's not even going to have that Blair Witch return where it's like, you know, we made it for 35 grand and we made however many millions of dollars that they made on no, theirs. No, yeah. Five, five million's not nothing. It's, I mean, it's, that's, yeah. That's it's, a- but it's like for this movie, it's like, okay, it's good production quality. I mean, yeah. and it, like it, when I think when I think about you know everybody talks like we were saying everybody talks about spooky season and wanting to watch horror movies and this and that it's like this is one of those movies like it's not a slasher it does have some I mean like we haven't really gotten into it it's like but there are some definitive yeah. creepy yeah we barely talked about the movie at the all, right? the <laughs> the creepy parts of the story not even necessarily just the fact that they're in a cave which is you know just off put like the 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 things that they run, the physical uh, constraints that they run into that make it tense. But it's like the story of it as as well is compelling in a way that, I mean, a lot of times horror movies are like, I guess we could write a story. I just want to kill a bunch of teenagers. But it's like this one. It's more than that. Yeah, it's more than that. To me, it, it, it like, you know, it takes the elements of an Indiana Jones movie where you add a supernatural element to it and it just sort of becomes a little spookier because of it. I mean, Indiana Jones, like they could have, it would have been, 
interesting if they were just going through, you know, towns that have been blown over by sand and they found a tomb with just filled with snakes. Like that can be just a scary enough situation as yeah. it is. But when you add in the scene where the Nazis open the ark and ghosts and then like demons start appearing and killing people and melting their faces and shooting lightning through their eyeballs and shit. Uh, then you took, you've taken something that now there's no real record of something like an event like this happening. Yeah. Now it becomes more like, Oh, like a scary movie. Yeah. With, they did that with this. So one of the inspir like one of the things that is, this is a real interesting movie, like how a movie will come together. You got this idea of an archeologist who's played by Scarlett. And she's actually a really, even before I was reading a lot of the things about the movie where they were uh, saying that they wanted to make like an Indiana Stones style movie, I was thinking, you know, Adam's going to think I'm nuts, but this movie reminds me a little bit of Indiana Jones and Scarlett is our Indy. Um, if you think about it in that way, it's like a totally different movie. And then what one element of the movie is the whole Dante's Inferno and the nine circles of hell. That's where you get the, you know, like I've got like Satan laughing in the intro of the, of the show. Uh, hell is suddenly like all of these instances are, or, or you like scriptures of hell and they're, they're reading Latin and they're like, you know what I mean? Like there's the oh, scenes yeah. where they have to crawl through a cave and there's the inscription and they're like, Oh, like, you know, and then they shall crawl on their bellies and enter the kingdom of hell. And then, you know, that, that you kind of understand that's from something. And then Scarlin mentions it. And then like Ben Feldman's like, yeah, it occurred to me too. <laughs> <laughs> Without saying it really, you know, she yeah. mentions it and he's like, yeah, no, I thought of that too. I, I really enjoy Ben Feldman in this movie. Cause he's sort of your, he's re he doesn't want to be there. He does not want to be in caves because, you know, like we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about just really the other three actors that are in this thing. Uh, uh, Edwin Hodge, who is Benji, who I seems like an American. They don't, I don't feel like they really ever mention it exactly. And he is. So when I mentioned their rules to a found footage movie, you have to write in some sort of element where it makes sense to have a camera on all the time. Yeah. And one of those, and you know, they, they landed on it right away and it makes sense and they'll probably never go away. And it, that's probably why people got burnt out. Uh, make a documentary, right? That's kind of how you do it. So ben, Benji is sort of there to record Scarlet in her quest to find the Philosopher's Stone. And just like in Indiana Jones and uh, Temple uh, Last Crusade, you know, she has all of the life's work from her father, who, by the way, kills himself. That, that plays into the movie of several times. Uh, but anyways, he, he was this brilliant sort of, you know, doctor, had like doctorates in many things like her. Just, just you know, Indiana Jones, real life Indy. And he killed himself, uh, I supposedly, I guess, while, you know, like one of the other, one of other Scarlet's like little contacts was the guy in Iran. You know, he's like, oh, you sometimes you I, I, I see you're so much like your father. And you know, like that character. There's always sort of that legacy character. That's sort of the guy who's between the original and then yeah. the new. 
he he was sort of that guy. Um, and to me, he reminded me a little bit of the the big guy from the first Indiana Jones movie. You know, like the Indy, Indy, like that oh, guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that guy. He's sort of there as sort of, you know, he, he's the local who knows all the people and gets you the things and gets you into the cave. Um, so, yeah, Edwin Hodge, he, he is our uh, sort of filmographer of this movie. So he's the one who's in charge of keeping the cameras on. He's filming Scarlet always, you know, he's narrating the documentary in a way. So I, I, I assume in the, in the world of the movie, he found her and just wanted to, you know, make a documentary about this. And she, she's letting him because, you know, he's a means to, and like, he's probably providing funding, you know, going, going to Iran and then going to Paris, like, right. I mean, it's, it's not cheap. So somebody's yeah. got to pay oh, for yeah. this. <clears throat> I mean, unless they're independently wealthy, which they don't mention, but uh, that's played by Edwin Hodge. And I, you know, I'll, he's, he actually has a pretty long career, but he's just one of those actors where most of his stuff that he's credited for, I've just, that just not really into. Like he's apparently been in a lot of the purge movies. Um, he was in the red Dawn remake. And, but, but to me, <laughs> the, the, the performance that I like the best was he was one of the kids in Die Hard with a Vengeance when Zeus, played by Sam Jackson, uh, whacked. He like hit a kid because uh, they were, you know, they he was holding it like they were trying to pawn off a boombox or something in his pawn shop. And uh, he like whacks one of them because they're like, oh, man, you're going you're getting taken advantage of. It is like one of the little kids. He was one of those little kids. <laughs> so I think that's he's nice. kind of cool. Yeah, uh, but uh, Francois uh, Seville, I don't know how you pronounce his name. He played Papillon, uh, and really, the only other thing that I of note that I found that he was in was, the, you know that movie uh, with Michael Fassbender where he's wearing this like weird, like, I don't know, head? It's called Frank. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah. He's got yeah. this big old head. Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, he was in that. I, I didn't see that movie. Um, um, Marion Lambert plays Susie, Suxi, and she, you know, she's a member of the crew, the, the, the caving crew. And then there is, uh, Ali Martyr, uh, Zed. And, uh, I see he was in the movie Zero Dark Thirty, but again, not, not a, a movie that with a lot of actors that you're going to recognize, and, you know, you, you may have been a big fan of Cloverfield and immediately recognized Ben Feldman because, you know, Superstore wasn't a thing, I don't think, in 2014. Maybe it was. Maybe it was just getting going. Um, but anyway, so pretty, pretty uh, modest cast as far as credits and fame go. And that that more or less makes up your housekeeping. Questions, comments, Adam? Uh, the French people have... Uh, was just, that was the only thing. I was like, hmm, did it have to be in France? French people. I'm not a. I don't love French people, but it, it, we had to, it was filmed in France, and they had to. We had to have some Frenchies yeah. in there. So, yeah, they got maybe that was part of maybe you know like hey you you can film here for cheap, but you gotta have gotta have some forty percent French. Yeah, you have some locals in this. Yeah, right, we'll put so. some Frenchies in it. I mean, they were. But it, it works was, for the movie. It was you know, a it very, it was movie. a very capable cast. I mean, for for sure. I mean, like you know, like it. That's one of those things that, um, it's. I think it's. I mean, I, I, I 
the word unfortunate comes to mind, but it's, it's not like it's a big deal. It's like, but in the same way that Blair Witch Project, those three people, you know, for 10 minutes, they were huge stars. And I don't know yeah. that I don't know that I could point towards anything that any one of them did after that. Um, it's like the, all of the people, of this movie I felt were far more capable than the Blair Witch people. And yeah, it was because again, it's like I felt like the story here, uh, you know. And again, it's not like it's a perfect. I'm not sitting over here trying to claim this as Babe Two Pig in the City or anything. Um, <laughs> but it was like, I mean, for, watch, watch it, man. You're you're talking about a classic now. <laughs> Four stars, infallible, infallible. That eight movie. thumbs up. We don't even know how <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> but you know, it was. It's an alien reviewer, you know, <laughs> quit, quit thinking so suburban, <laughs> but it was, I mean, it, like the, the cast, you know, who liked this movie, this fucking octopus, and I'm like eight <laughs> tentacles, like doing eight thumbs, tentacles <laughs> up the, uh, I, it was, it was fun. the Ben, I, I recognize Ben from, uh, Silicon Valley. He was Thomas Middledge's lawyer. And so I was like, and then I was like, oh, oh yeah, he was in Super oh too. okay. All right. All uh, right. but it was like, it it's one of the things I was like, I, I always, because I was hoping, especially because this was from 2014. Um, but it was kind of, it was kind of the same thing with your next, like I really liked your next, but mm -hmm. like it was the same kind of a cast where it's like, I sort of recognized one guy and everybody yeah. else was pretty capable, but it was one of those things like, it was just unfortunate because nobody ever went, nobody from it was like, Oh, they're, you know, they did this movie and then they blew up over here. They were oh, he was in this and he was that. It was like, everybody has. There are no Johnny Depp's in that. Yeah, there were, the, you know, exactly. Cast. There were nobody. <laughs> no Kevin Bacon's. Nobody really came away from this, you know, having it, you know, which is, I always kind of feel like is a little bit unfortunate just to the fact it's like, you made a really good quality product here. And I just, it feels, yeah. it feels unfortunate that more people didn't get the benefit of it. And maybe that's where, where we step in and say, Hey, you know, the people I'm with, hoping that people will see this and just be interested the in it. People of it Vietnam up, are going to come out in droves. I mean, by the <laughs> dozen, probably I would imagine at this point, I, I'm not even sure who's listening to us at this point. I haven't looked at any of the analytics in so long. Hopefully we not be huge right now. We I've could be huge home. Them. <laughs> the moon is where the majority of our listeners yes. come from. Anyone we with downloaded a lot thumbs. out there. <laughs> Any place with eight thumbs is a huge fan of our show. Places near nuclear just, power plants. That's a fact. Don't dispute it. But yes. All I right. Mean, so <clears throat> we're good. We're good on that respect. So as above, so below, uh, the name of the, the title of the movie does mean something. I will mention it because it's just interesting. It, it means uh, the it. Well, it, it represents the first law of magic. And it, which is the saying that as above, so below basically translated is as I believe the world to be, so it is. But with, with the way it seems like they portray it in the movie is there's sort of um, a yin and yang and up there. You know what I mean? There's like, yeah, more of like, of like a literal interpretation. Exactly. Yeah. And I enjoyed some of the kind of puzzles that they encountered a la indie you know like some there were times in the in the movie where if they weren't archaeologists they would have surely died yes they, they had to have knowledge you know like there was the whole 
uh, oh, we got to find the right rock to pull or we'll be buried in here forever. And then, you know, you just had to know to count the, you know, the planets and count up from that number. And you just, if you didn't know that, you'd just be stuck in there forever and you just have no clue. Or the part where they see the, 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 uh, whatever it was on the ceiling. So they know to look below and then they, they kick through it. Like it's, it's, it's hollow down below. And the, which leads to that crazy well. I, I, there, there's all kinds of things about this movie that's just really good, just really well done. Again, it takes place in a very cla- claustrophobic setting, which is already kind of scary. And knowing that it really was filmed there and not just like, you know, like there are definitely parts of the movie where I'm looking and I'm going, that looks like it was just filmed at the place where they do like underground zip lining. Yes. <laughs> you know, or dr- like, or they'll put up a I know exactly what you're talking about too. <laughs> I was like, there okay. Just scenes. <laughs> just clearly walking through like you like you're gonna see like a salt truck drive by or something yeah. like what you know it just seemed like that and maybe that's just like what a lot of the catacombs just look like that big big opened out spaces um but with with the you know the nicholas flamel stuff which again they talk about in harry potter the the french uh writer slash alchemist that was believed to in the 17th century successfully created the philosopher's stone which legend says will it does two incredible things not just one it's like two it's the fucking swiss army knife of amazing things it can make any metal gold okay first so okay wealth and it has properties that heal you and unless you just take your head off unless you just die instantly you can be healed so you can have eternal life unless you're decapitated or something no coming back it's a no-go non-starter that's a non-starter your head gets chopped off we can't fix that it'll kill a zombie and it'll take care of anyone holding the philosopher's stone from coming back i i do believe when i was watching it and like that was the storyline I because I, I was watching it by myself, and I'm pretty yeah. sure I still said audibly out loud, "Holy shit, this is a real thing." <laughs> I look. I actually wrote down a lot of the things they were talking about to see how realistic they were going, <clears throat> and it was interesting what what was real and what was sort of made up for the movie. Like for instance, in the early part of the movie where they're in Iran. And she's looking for the rose key. Yeah. Which is what they what they use to, tr- like, complete their translations to, you know, like, it's like a national treasure thing. You go here, you solve yeah. the thing, you go there. It's totally one of those kinds of movies. If you really like those kinds of movies, there's that stuff in this movie. Um, it really, you know, the, the girl was like, I felt like Laura Croft a lot of times in this movie, <laughs> you know, because she's, she's yeah, British. Very much and Tomb Raider. Yeah, very you're much Tomb Raider. An actual also. tomb. So if you're listening and you're like, I don't give a shit about Indiana Jones, but then I say Tomb Raider and that you're like, oh, but I like Tomb Raider. Same thing, same difference. And if it's, you're the person the that's same. saying I don't give a shit about Indiana Jones, <laughs> but I love Tomb Raider, you you could go fuck yourself. You could kiss our asses. Because if you don't like Indiana Jones but you like Tomb Raider, you need to get some uh. shit in your life. Figured out. Figured out, man. You got to get yourself on the right track. 
and watch a good movie. Yeah. Not that that was a bad movie. I'm just no, saying there's really good movies, and then there's just movies that you watch occasionally yeah. that you were like, yeah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so they're, they're in Iran, and they're in this cave that I'm just confused by all of this. Maybe... Maybe maybe it makes sense to you. So, okay. So in Iran, I mean, well, first of all, as an American, you know, I- ignorance. It, there's going to be like an ignorant trigger coming along here. You, you know, you you always hear, and it always felt very racist. Anyway, they're like, oh well, those people live in caves, right? You know, like oh, yes. you know, blow up blow up everything in the caves too. And I'm always I've often thought like, well, what does that even mean? Is that like Fraggle Rock? <laughs> He's fucking living in caves. Like, what does that even mean? Do they have a series of intricate, like, tunnels that they live in? And, like, I just don't know. I never gave it much thought. And so now you just see... saying Fraggle Rock is all in the Middle East. <laughs> That's like not the what I'm saying. The Fraggles are all just no, Middle no, Eastern No, 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 don't turn my words. Don't. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Or am I? Is Fraggle Rock oh. just simply... Oh. A depiction of the Middle East, and I had no idea. Jim Henson's interpretation of foreign policy. Oh, God. People <sighs> thought he was making that shit up. He was like, this oh is a real experience. Gosh. I just dress it up with puppets. Oh, my gosh. No, but what I'm saying is, so she's in the restricted part of the cave. For some reason, they're going to blow up. I don't know why. I don't know if they mention why, but they're under a time crunch. And at the last possible second, they come up to an inscription on the wall of the cave. And she's like, oh, there it is. There it is. And she's like reading it and doing this shit. And then, you know, I guess like she realizes she needs to go through this. This isn't the thing she's looking for. This is just another clue to something else. So she kicks through there. And then, you know, she walks, she, she climbs into the hole. She, and then she's like a hollowed out area where this gigantic, um, is it like a bull or something? I think, yeah, I think that's what it was. I'm not entirely sure. Like some sort of pagan symbol thing is like, it's, it's like black marble. It's really cool looking. And it's what she was calling the rose key. So I made a note of rose key and nothing came back. I'm afraid I, I, that so like whatever that rose key is if it exists i guess it's not supposed to be this gigantic you know sculpture like bull sculpture whatever but it's cool like there's there's all kinds of words all over this key and she videotapes real quick cuz she's you know like i say she's got to get out her guide has already left her you know he they they're they're like seconds away from blowing up the cave and so he runs back and she gets what she needs. And she, as she's running back, a couple of weird things to me happen that I don't talk about. First thing she sees is, and it's your first real creepy moment of the movie, a man dangling from something. I, it looks like he's being held up by, I don't know what, but it clearly now I know that he's supposed to be hanging like, cause he hung himself. Uh, and that is incredibly unnerving to be in a situation of real danger. Yeah. In a situation of real danger where not only are they preparing to blow the cave, there are, I assume to be military or government officials, very, uh, ominously counting down, 
uh, warning you. There are all kinds of warnings and languages that I don't understand, but they're clearly warning you to get away. And as she sees that, the charges blow, and she's running through the rubble with her, you know, the wonderful uh, found footage. It's like she doesn't have Benji yet. She's just by herself. She's just carrying a camera around, which it doesn't, it's flimsy. I wonder if they did this part of the movie and they're like, we need another character because this doesn't make sense. Uh, so, but, you know, she, but, but thankfully she had the camera because she was able to document the, you know, because she couldn't, because like ordinarily in a movie like this, they'd pull out some like paper, throw it over the thing and then get like a piece of crayon or chalk. And then, you know what I mean? Like kind of rub it off. Yeah. And that, that would be their transfer, their point of record. But this being... 2014 she has video cameras she just tapes it uh and at the last second her guide through an opening um gets her attention and then she runs over to it and it it's just like a hole in the wall of i mean i took it to be like a residence but maybe not that's no that's, but that's yeah. what I'm, I'm wondering what what but it, it, but it was some sort of domicile. Am I wrong? Like what was no, that? No, that's what place? It, that's what it looked like to me. That's how I interpreted yeah. it. <clears throat> so I'm very confused. So on one hand, you have this uh, series of caves that you're blowing up, but they're joined to homes, like they're directly adjacent to homes. Yeah. And I just a lot of that. You know, I, I liked what they were doing in the movie. It was very suspenseful and interesting. And, you know, like once you throw in the rose key and the man hanging very off-puttingly, <laughs> uh, you know something's up here right away. Like, he doesn't belong here right now. Uh, and then she escapes through, like, somebody's living room. Like, it was really, it reminded me a bit of, like, The Goonies, where they follow the... Um, uh, oh shit! What's the name of the family? I can't. Uh, the Fratellis. Fratellis, yeah. So they 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 track the Fratellis to that restaurant. Well, they're not really tracking them. They just happen to be in the yeah. place where they were going. Uh, and you know they go down into the cellar, and then you know they kind of find their way. You know they 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 crack through some sort of cement. I don't know whatever, like a drain, and then boom, yeah, they're off the into the Goonies adventure. Yeah. yeah. Right, so you know they that connected to a bunch of caves and shit that just you know Chester Copperpot got lost in and died in a, a guy who was world famous explorer guy. Um, it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, but in that it's it's familiarity to me because of that made me like it a little bit more. I think, but I was curious, like what what's your take on that? Do, does that did that bother you? Like it bothered me, or did you just? Did it just go over your head and you didn't really? Pay attention to uh, no, I mean, yeah, it was. It was definitely something that I was like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I kind of noted it. I'm like, all right, this is the opening. I don't love. I don't love that I'm. You know, I'm a little bit confused by what's happening here, but I was like, all right, we'll we'll just kind of f file this for later. Yeah, I, I was like, all right, you know, we. <clears throat> it was. Yeah, it it was it was it was not a great way to kick things off just cuz like, you know, I feel like I need to be with you where you're at. Yeah. And I'm already a little bit in the weeds. I was like is that is like it, I feel like they got I mean, because the bulk of it and like it was it was just it was one of those things I I feel like 
it should have gone through a test screening where people were like, this is not straightforward enough. Mm-hmm. Clarify this or cut it out. Like it, it, it yeah. because really and truly what it is, because the whole opening could, I mean, like, you know, it felt like they were going for that cave aesthetic and the, you know, like that's, that's what they wanted, which matches with the rest yeah. of the catacombs and all that. Right. But it was like really right. and truly this whole opening is just, this is how you get to France. Yeah. It could be like she was in her, you know, oh, I'm in the study and I pull this old book off a shelf and a letter falls out. Wait, this is correspondence <laughs> from my dead father telling me to go to the catacombs of France. I mean, that's that's what they normally do. It's like it's the it's the same kind of thing. It's like this is been working only, fine for years. This is only here to serve as the arrow that points yeah. us to France. So I was like if 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 that's all it is and I don't need to know anything else from it. It's yeah. just kind of like a little convoluted. I'm not going to hold it against you, but it's like whatever you were hoping to get out of this, you didn't entirely because it's a. I, I sorry. No, it's. It, I mean, it is just a little too ambiguous as to what exactly is going on here and why do I need to know it? It's like, oh, I just need to know this is how she gets to France. Okay, I'll just I can discard that as. It's like I do agree. It it's it takes you out of a movie when you actually see the plot device in front of you, you know, like, oh, well, you're, this is setting you up to go to the catacombs and with the whole, uh, I, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's a pretty good attempt to, to weave that in as an excuse to get there, you know? Um, and, and like I say, I do agree with what you're saying. I do like that it's in there. Because it gives you a chance to see her in her element. That's true. That's true. You know, she she's in another country. She's like wrapped up. You know, uh, she knows she's in danger. She's talking about, you know, if I'm if I'm caught, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me, but they got to catch me. Uh, you know, she she has her contacts all around you. You you see that she has contacts around the world. You know, she's clearly from England, but. You know, she has friends in, in Iran, in the Middle East, and in America. So she has this network. Yeah, she's connected. Uh, she's she's very connected, and she has not only that, but her father was very well respected, and you know, so they're they're get she has credibility right away because of her father. But I mean, she has like she announces like, hey, I got like these three doctorates. I know what I'm talking about. I am a capable uh, archaeologist. I just need a guy that's going to help me translate some of this stuff. And that's where they go to the part of the movie that is the lightest part of the movie gives you a breath and a bit of a breather from the claustrophobia. Uh, you know, we, we meet up with Benji and she's, you know, they, they have a moment, you know, they're kind of, she's talking to him like interview style and he's asking her questions about her life and, you know, you, you to, to kind of give you an idea a little bit about her history, background, and personality. Uh, but she's like, well, you know, we're here in Paris. I know just the guy. And she she meets up with George, who, you know, they, he just, his thing is he just wanders into centuries old, you know, clock towers that don't work and apparently fixes them. He's uh, got all these As tools that he just carries around with. <laughs> As you do, but he's, yeah, they, they find him and I assume he's there without permission. You know, he's up in, he's up in the clock tower fixing this clock that hadn't, you know, worked in 
Freelance you know, pro bono ancient clock repair. Just one of the things <laughs> yeah. that he does. And he is our reluctant uh, hero or sidekick, really. He's, he's the sidekick. But he shares a history with uh, Scarlet. You know, they even have like a, you know, you left me in a Turkish prison, which was like their Hawkeye in Black Widow to me, you know, the whole <laughs> Budapest You remember uh, Budapest thing. very differently than I do. Yeah. <laughs> and then much later in the Disney Plus series, we get a little more context, but it was just totally a throwaway line that, you know, they weaved into the story down the road, which is awesome. But you know what I mean? Like, it kind of reminded me of that. Are, did they have a romantic history? Did they not? Yeah. They don't flirt with each other at all through the movie. No. So if you're thinking that, like, oh, this is like a meat cute. It's not. The whole movie is very professional. And she is manipulating these people, though, to a degree. And I hated the way she just really uh, kind of dismissed all of George's pleas to not want to go down into the... Uh, catacombs like he from the beginning was like i'll help you translate but i'm not fucking going in any caves you know what i mean like yeah i'm not going to any caves i and I, then they meet up with the caving crew and he's still like very much no 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 don't put a camera on me because i will not be going with you I, like I, every time she's like of course not of course not you just come to us at a certain point yeah, knowing we, she's gonna fuck we just over. wanted to bring you right here to the entrance so that you can say <laughs> bye right here like not back yeah. at a safe place no, we wanted no, no, no. It was like oh you're not coming with us you're not gonna go get the cave oh, oh I can, man i can see why you wouldn't want to come all the way to, that? to everybody the yeah it's so relatable because uh, most people have known a person like that who will manipulate you without any hard feelings you know just just to kind of get to where they need to be. like they just know how to manipulate certain people to get what they want <laughs> you I, feel I that did. sort of I did really appreciate the fact that the between the storyline of of what we're talking about and the fact that he's basically saying I'm not even supposed to be here today. <laughs> yeah, he's he's Dante. He's Dante. Of the Dante's Inferno, <laughs> which is another you know Kevin was using the Dante's you know Nine Rings of Hell as sort of like his template. Exactly. Of like, okay, cut off. Oh shit! It all comes together, man. Do you love that? You should love when a plan comes together. I love when Just a plan like that. comes together. Oh god! Now I'm lighting my cigar. Uh, um. So yeah. So. So half the team is 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 pretty much uh, like you have your main team, Benji, uh, Scarlet, and uh, George, and they all have not history together as a team, but Scarlet has history with individually both of them, and seems to care for both of them very much. I mean, <clears throat> when Benji dies, spoiler alert, she seems very distraught by it. Um, but it could have just also been a way for her to manipulate the group just to keep going. She's very motivated to finding this philosopher's stone. Like she, even when she gets to a point where, um, the, uh, Papillon says, oh, we got to go this way because that way is evil. That ought to be enough for anybody just to go. Yeah. All right. Let's go this way. I don't believe in any of that, but we are in dangerous caves and this is your territory. Well, we'll just go with what you, yeah. She's like, no, no, no. Let's, we just need to go through this wall. And you know what I mean? Like, he's just like, no, we're not. It's like when the guide, when the guide tells you, uh, I know that you really want to go that way because your map says (laughs) to go that way. 
but that yeah. is technically the evil way. Um, <laughs> I'd be like, whoa, 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 if if I'm if I'm George, I'm like, uh, this would be one of the main reasons why yeah. I said I don't want to go into mm-hmm. the cave because mm-hmm. there's an evil route. There is an there's evil, an evil route. route. And not for nothing, but they did just walk past some sort of chanting, ritualistic kind of... At first, I thought they were naked, you know, because, like, one of the girls, like, you know, she's wearing, like, something with her sleeves cut off. But I thought, well, is that just saggy boobs? And they're they're chalky white, like they have some sort of paint or some shit on them. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're chanting. <laughs> they're just chanting. And you do get a glimpse of her at the rave earlier in the movie when they're meeting, you know, Papillon and Suxi and, 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 uh, Zed, you know, she, she kind of pops up. We're meant to see her, but no one else is meant to see her, but you're like, Oh, well that's got a, you know, I guess they're foreshadowing. And then she does show up, not necessarily leading to anything, kind of the frustrating part. And if it did tie into the very, very end, I don't think they did a really good job. Uh, that, that was one of those things. Was like that. Okay, you're foreshadowing, and then you get to the yeah. end of the movie. It's like, well, what? Like, I get, what did that mean? Did that mean anything? Like, you, what and were you? What were you foreshadowing? You foreshadowed. There I has got to be that. some part of the movie that was cut out, right? There has to be, like, you know, those people that jumped out of the walls. Like, they seem to be part of the walls. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in another draft of the movie, those people were somehow they somehow become those people entombed in the walls until Satan needs them. (laughs) And then they kind of release. I don't know. I I feel like there must be like, there's a ritual. Like you get to be 16, you do the ritual thing where you cover your, you cake your shit in white powder. And then you do the chant and then you become part plaster, part of a wall, uh, knowing that you're going to be serving Satan's greater good. Uh, one day you'll be activated and kill any pesky, uh, doctors who make their way down through the nine levels. Does that seem, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I we mean, like it, to sometimes write a better movie or connect dots in a way that makes sense to, to quote, uh, Mrs. Potts from beauty of the beast tale as old as time song as mm. old as rhyme. That's what it is right there. Mm. Yep. All right. See, I, I I didn't know it was so cliche that that's the thing. It's uh, Flamel it, Stone. Mean, like, n- no, sorry. Go ahead. No, I mean it is. It's 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 that old chestnut that we all know and, and love. <laughs> yeah, the old uh, uh, ritualistic hardening to the wall. Yeah. If I've seen it once, I've seen it. I mean, more it, times than it's, once. It's right up there with Bob Mitzvahs yes. and Sweet Sixteen parties. You know, if you're if you're a, if you're one of Satan's demons, that's just what you do. When that's you your classic coming of age demon move. <laughs> Once uh, you're old enough to burst out of the wall in stone, then you know you're a real adult demon. So, getting down into the movie, so I I want to I want to unpack. There's so much that seems to there. There's very little is happening, and then yet so much is happening. So within this movie, they decided to throw in that whole kind of uh, trope of 
if you're in a scenario of evils threatening to kill you, if you just confess your sins, they leave you alone. You become, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Yeah. Sort of like a Freddy Krueger. Like they would always sort of come to this realization that they couldn't be hurt by Freddy and they could still die. In fact, most of the times they did die. A lot of the time. Yeah. Uh, a lot of dead kids. But they were, but they were always onto something. They knew that there was something else. And I don't know. I, I feel like they were kind of attempting that because you see, so, but everyone had a sin and it's unfolded kind of, uh, sort of not discreetly, not, but they don't focus on the sins. They're always part of conversation enough for, you know, that they all have some sort of sin in there or at least perceived sin that they're, or guilt that they're living with. And Satan is, 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 is using that to lure them in, I guess. The, the one, the one thing about things like that, that the one, one of the things I'll give them credit for is it's, they didn't just default to some sort of Catholicism trope. A lot of times as like, the Presbyterians don't know anything about demons. The Catholics, they got they got this cornered. If it's in a Catholic book well, somewhere. Oh, yeah, they got it going on, yeah. It's like sure. the Catholics know everything about how to handle demons. It's like, okay. But, but that's like, uh, Catholic, that's mainstream enough. We don't want to, we're not going to get into the Lutheran weeds here. We're going straight Catholic because people know the Catholic Church. That's fine. We'll stick with Catholic. But it's like a lot of times they're like, oh, here. Didn't you read this part in the Catholic part of the Bible where the Catholics do, they do this thing. And that's how you. If you'd read your Bible ah, handbook, you'd known. If you, <laughs> if, if you were here uh, and you listened to the homily at mass and use those Catholic words, then you would have known what to do use here. Those Catholic words. But those it's, like, it's always, it's Catholic always the words. It's always, I mean, like even like through the, um, the Dan Brown stuff, the Da Vinci codes, like, oh, remember all those Catholic tricks that they use? Oh, the I know, yeah. It's like, yeah. Okay. That that doesn't work for most people. <laughs> but it's, it was like, <laughs> it's always these, oh, it's the Catholic thing. But the, the, oh, pro- so I'm going to go to hell because I can't remember a homily from when I was like, in like oh, Sunday you school. Didn't kneel at the right time. Uh, you didn't solve the riddle. You're going to hell. You were ready so to close, but you yeah. didn't say peace be with you at the right. Well, it wasn't until time. the very end of the movie that you know Scarlet kind of put it all together that, that was happening. But subtly, they they were show they were setting everything up. Like they set That's, it up with her with the their father, uh, and then one of my favorite parts of the whole movie is when. Um, they're disoriented because they went in one area and came out another area and there was like a sealed up part and they were, that's when, uh, Papillon started kind of losing his shit. Yeah. Cause all of a sudden now he doesn't know where they are. Yeah. And he's got these, you know, people that's hired him and they are upset. Like they're mad at him because, He's saying, I didn't go here. And then they, they find like a tag spot. And he's like, I I've never been here. He's like, it sets it up for him to not make him look good. But he's also very fearful because he definitely doesn't know what's going on. And they get to the point where you just hear like a ringing. Right? Yeah. It's silent and they're freaked out. And then a like an old style landline phone starts ringing. And 
for like a beat or two, they're all just kind of looking at each other like, do you hear that too? And they're like, we need they, to find that about, phone. <laughs> nobody's running to that phone because they know it's weird. Like you don't run to a phone when you're 250 feet underground in a, in a catacombs with 6 million remains. Uh, you know what I mean? Like It's just weird. You're not going to go running towards stuff, I wouldn't think. And it's really it was, dark. This movie's lit. One of, in a real cave, shit's dark. One of the things that I did really appreciate, and I, it's 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 the it's the nature of any movie like this, but it's one mm-hmm. of those where it's like the the situation itself dictates that we need to keep making really poor decisions. Well, yeah. we are stuck in the cave. Uh, that was the way we were gonna get out. So now. Even though that's the only way I know to get out of here, let's keep going. Let's go this way and this way and this. I was like, well, I've never been here before, but I think if we keep going down, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't that only burying us further under <laughs> the unrelenting earth? Isn't that just well, sealing our fate further and further into certain death? Uh, seemingly, yeah, you would think so. And one one thing I didn't mention was they are really rushed through that first part because as they were getting set up to go in, you know, uh, Papillon gets bum rushed by a cop and you know, they're in a restricted area. So as he's gets tackled by a cop, which is great police work, by the way, they all kind of scramble inside and then he gets free and then takes a couple of smoke bombs and lights them so that which I thought was weird too because if you like light a smoke bomb in an enclosed area wouldn't the smoke also just fill seems, where you are and not just <laughs> seems like, like one of those things where like linger towards the entrance like is it gonna just also choke you to death anyway like if I if it's the night before and I'm sitting there and I'm saying all right guys let's get our backpacks out and let's pack yeah. up uh, like we're we're just going to have these backpacks so we can't have yeah. a, like we're not bringing a lot of extra stuff with us so only pack what you absolutely need in your backpack mm-hmm. for when we're going to be down in the caves they should I bring smoke bombs <sighs> gary do you no, feel you like, wouldn't imagine that would be one of the <laughs> do you feel like if we're down but in Papillon's the cave never been captured by the cops like he he's ready for like these things but it, <laughs> you're not going to capture papillon <laughs> it, it, it's just it's one of those real like you know, I Unless know that you're a burning teenager in a fire. I'm, I am not it. a savvy spelunker, urban spelunker. That's not a thing that I oh, do. Oh, no, so. come on. You're being modest. So I don't know what comes in the standard kit, but I feel like smoke bombs <laughs> smoke in bomb, a yeah. really enclosed space is just Let's like, fill our lungs with smoke. Yeah. Hey guys, I brought a torches, bunch of microwave burritos and fireworks with me. Yeah. <laughs> is that going to be helpful when we're down in a cave? I mean, it makes about as much sense as like s'mores. You know, like don't forget your s'more kit. I was, I was we're going like, caving. Whew, this seems. I mean, hey, hey, did you get the extra batteries for your Game Boy? We're going <laughs> spelunky. <laughs> I pack some jerky and a fresh pair of pants. That's all I got, guys. Oh yeah, man, I got some deer jerky that I just made. This is, this is the way we go, man. Just some dudes spelunking in a cave. We're drinking Bud, Bud Light, 
or Coors Light. What what's like a good cave beer? Can you <laughs> can you think of one? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Coors. What's the beer commercial where the dudes are Coors like Light splash. just because there's they say tap the Rockies. Yeah, and there's mountains. And yeah, mountains, mountains, caves. Are, I feel like yeah. those are synonymous. Yeah, good, good one. I knew you'd come up with a good cave beer. Maybe. Um, but yeah, they're running from the cops to start with, and then they get to that part where they're crawling over the bones. You know, uh, the, 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 there's the big claustrophobic scene, and you, you, you're kind of... This is where Benji gets his really first big scene. Because we're focused on him he seems to be the most claustrophobic. Like he doesn't, he panics way more than George panics at any point. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, being just the camera guy point of view, like, I feel like they wanted him to be kind of like the TJ Miller character from yeah. Cloverfield. Yep. But he's really, I mean, he, and he went on to, you know, be famous and be in a lot of stuff. And he's, you know, he's not getting so much work these days, but it wasn't because he wasn't, entertaining or a good actor because he was he just got in trouble for i forget what now but that doesn't matter but tj miller i feel like you know he was perfect for that because he was doing the wisecracks oh yeah never see him except any scene where he's like you see his reflection maybe for a second but you don't ever see him or he puts down the camera and benji's kind of like that but you you get more of benji because they each have pin cameras on them yeah so there are scenes where you see benji full you know full on and he, he is kind of like George, but doesn't vocalize it nearly as much. Like, he can tell he's really uncomfortable. I, I think about all the possible jokes about black guys in a cave. They're probably, there's probably a lot of jokes in a way, you know, like saying kind of like, oh, you don't, you're not going to see a black guy out in the ocean with sharks. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's that whole trope. Uh, or in the woods, like, you're not going to catch a bunch of black guys in, in the woods. Like, caves feels like one of those, like, also one of those things that could be a joke. It well, cause no it, man. It's one of those where it's like it feels like, it, like, it feels like he would have enough sense to say, "No, this is a bad idea. Why would we yeah. want to go in there?" Because like, like yeah. her, I get her whole thing. Like, yeah, she she she's borders obsessed. because the, like she's she's the epicenter, obviously, and yeah. she has to be that driving force because she throws off reason, she throws off logic, she throws off emotion. She is driven. And it's, but it's, they have to do it in a way where she's, if she's not antagonistic, because the minute that she becomes uh, somebody you don't want to follow, then you've lost everybody in the story. Like, if I don't care about her, if I don't like her, at least to some degree, if she somehow finds a way to vilify herself through any of her actions, then all of this is lost because I, I don't I don't care that she's doing something. I don't understand she, why anyone's following her. It, it, so it's like wait, she has to be endearing at least to some degree. And then from yeah. the, it ripples out to where it's like, okay, she and George have some connection that causes him to it to follow her to the entrance of the cave to put himself. Yeah, because that's one of those things. Like you know, if if I'm in that situation, I'm like I'm not going in the cave. Then right. when you say, "Hey, we're gonna go get in the, we're gonna go get in the car now, and we're gonna drive to the cave," that's where I say, "Okay, <laughs> have a good time in the cave. Yeah. I'm gonna be here at, at my house, not going anywhere near the cave because I don't want to get roped into going into this cave, and I know you'll try." Yeah, and and only only a dear friend would get you that far. Even yeah, it's like you got to. You, know, you I mean, have to be a really good friend 
to even get that far. Because I mean, like, but he he he's like a you know, but he's also very curious. Like you could you know yeah. he's curious. Oh, he's, he's got he's got a similar drive, just not to the same extent. And because Benji right. doesn't have this, I mean, Benji's he's kind of tertiary in that where it's like he has an interest in her story, but what pulls him is more his connection to her. Like, okay, I'm documenting this. Like his his devotion to the documentation process is what allows him to bypass is like, that's where it comes out clearly. It's like, okay, the first time that's really challenged is when he's in that moment freaking out because that's the thing. It's like, yeah, once, once they get past that, like that's one of those things where in my mind, I sit down with everybody say, okay, guys, all right, everybody just take a beat. Let's take a breath. Okay. Here, let's assess what just happened here. And let's all understand we're in a situation where we're all working together need to get out of this cave somehow and while i understand benji's reaction and the freaking out let's all take can we can we all agree that if we're able to keep a cool head about ourselves we're going to do way better down here than if we start freaking out and losing it and with him he was the one who was um Let's see. But yeah, Benji, <clears throat> the thing about Benji too, that I n- noticed was, um, well, I mean, as, okay. If you just look at the crew, so three of the six have loads of experience being down in these catacombs. Um, so they are familiar with things the little, the, the things that would freak out a normal person just don't freak them out. So things have to be really, odd for them to get panicked but also benji was like if you think about it he's he's sort of the guy who's in charge of the cameras it's his show like he's the one fitting people for cameras and lights and he probably has to be in the rear like i feel like he was the one bringing up the caboose the whole time being the guy in the back of a line of situation like that is unnerving and that's when you're not crawling over bones. Yeah. And you can't squeeze through. And people, you hear people are chanting like, he's like, what are they, why are they chanting? Stop that chanting when he's in mid, like, breakdown. So I get it, Benji. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We're all you in this situation. Yeah. None, none of this, you know, like you say, uh, Scarlett and, and, and George have a professional curiosity and, and, you know, a lot of times, like, you you will run into a dangerous scenario without, you, like, you know, and it's like one of those things where, like, you, you just refuse to stop and assess the situation and go, this is just way too dangerous for me to be doing this. I shouldn't be doing this. And they never do that, ever. She doesn't. Yeah, anyway. no. She's always running towards danger. 100%. 100% running towards danger. And, you know... She is, since she is kind of like the boss, they go along with her. In a, in a lot of those classic scenarios, like where someone has a crew, uh, there's the one person who's in charge, and they everyone benefits or perils because of what the leader of this organization group, or in this case, this small uh, spelunking party. Nobody knows where they are. They're in another country. It's it's all dangerous. There there are possibly law officials after them. You know, like they could be like the oh, Fratellis, yeah. always one step behind. We never hear from them again. But 
I like to, in my mind, imagine them going through the same booby traps, <laughs> trying to get to Papillon. And that's another movie. Well, wouldn't that be great Just to have like a home alone style caper of these <laughs> cops like going through the catacombs? That would be oh, excellent. Don't worry, Marv. Just go through the bo- the pile of bones, Marv. <laughs> uh, I would 100% so, watch that movie. <laughs> wouldn't you, though? The cop side of the story. Uh, so, but, but yeah, so they, they, uh, the movie really does this good job of just like subtly letting you in on what's happening. You got the, the phone ringing. There's the piano. Uh, when the piano's creepy, because like, well, how the piano get down here? And I, I think they try to it, sort of rationalize it. Like, oh, well, remember earlier in the movie when we said that these sections caved in with, with the houses, maybe it came from there. Didn't seem that way. <laughs> like, Caved-in areas, do they always have, like, leveled ceilings like that? I don't know. You know. But that old chestnut. But you know there's more to that piano, because instantly George recognizes it and walks over to it. And it's so perfectly acted by him, because he's just sort of taking it in, the situation. He's freaked out, he's scared, and he, he realizes that, you know, it's like he's talking out loud, or he's thinking out loud, he's like, I know this is crazy, but I, I had a piano just like this when i was a kid and uh there was this key and like it, it goes flat like just like his childhood piano so right away you're like shit's shit's crazy now things are gonna get kind of nutty at this point uh and then you gradually understand that and i'm gonna try to wrap this up in a way as best i can scarlet um uh, f- feels guilt for not uh trying harder to uh, stop her dad from killing himself. I think that's all her guilt is there. Clearly, she looked up to him. She, you know, he, she chose to do the exact same thing that he did, a whole life's work. So she looked up to the man and he killed himself and she feels responsible. That's her sin. Uh, George's sin is, I mean, as far as we know from the information we get, he's completely not at fault. Uh, his little brother, um, his Georgie, uh, I guess while they were playing in a in a cave, he falls into some water and gets stuck or pinned. And uh, they're both little kids. He he runs for help, but by the time he gets back, he's already dead. That's his guilt and his sin. Uh, we learn that Papillon was maybe was or was not responsible for uh, somebody burning up in a car wreck. That's that one was a little unclear to me. The the person burning in the car clearly <laughs> was upset with Papillon. And that that whole death, I got to say, it was a lot of special effects, but it looked great. Because uh, you first of all, you're walking through this cave and you hear sort of the the licking of fire. Yeah. You know, you hear it, you turn it and there's just this little car doesn't belong. It's just on fire, completely engulfed in flames. Oh, I need to stop that. Completely engulfed in flames and a little curly haired dude burning. He's completely engulfed in flames and he points over to Papillon and he's like, no, no, it wasn't my fault. You know, like he's kind of doing that whole thing. And somehow like he pulls him, starts pulling Papillon towards him. And he's he's grabbing hold of him and pulling him into the car. And the other people are. You know, they're trying to prevent it from happening, but he's just there. 
you know, he's just grasping at him and pulling him through. And then, like, the car does kind of that whole, you know, like what the house does at the end of Poltergeist. It kind of caves in on itself. And then all that's left are Papillon's legs pointing up out of the ground. Oh, that was a beautiful scene. Like, I would love to know how they did that scene. Because it was definitely a combination of practical and special effects. Okay, yeah. So he sees he sees the guy burning up in the car. But what really I thought was awesome about that whole scene was just how they tied together um, what seems to me practical and for sure a heavy dose of special effects to pull off that scene. Uh, but here you have Papillon who spots the... I, I can't tell. I, I'm, I'm, it's suggesting that it's a teenager, maybe. I don't know, because they're in the back of the car, it looks like. Maybe maybe some sort of kid that burned up in an, an accident that Papillon was in, somehow directly or ir- indirectly responsible for. He's feeling that sin, but he doesn't, I guess, repent in time. And it kills him. Like, it pulls him in like a black hole. And I just love the effect of the car kind of crunching up and kind of like the house in Poltergeist. And they're they're desperately trying to prevent him from being sucked in. But he is, you know, they do not succeed. And the car, it all disappears. But Papillon's legs are still there sticking out of the dirt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's face down in the dirt. And, and like, half of his legs are sticking out of the dirt. I thought that was a really well done scene. It just cre- it created this illusion like, oh, we might be able to do. No, you can't. You can't do anything about this. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely in trouble. And I want to say right around that time, one of my other f- favorite parts, it, and this happens after they see the whole Philosopher's Stone and they she chisels it out. I, I like that scene too. I don't want to blow past that because on one hand you got the the treasure. It reminded me of, again, Last Crusade where you go into the room with the knight and they're all of the like cups and chalices and, you know, like which one is the cup of Christ? And, you know, the the guy who's not knowledgeable picks what he thought would be the most regal. Yeah. The, you know, like a cup, a cup a that cup Jesus Christ, he would imagine would drink. Yes. But it ends up being just this sort of, uh, <laughs> clay cup that was, you know, junior brought home from school. Um, it reminded me of that. Cause like you're the, tr- the real treasure is it turns out to be you, I guess, uh, you know, there's the whole part where, Oh, she realized they they get the wrong stone, I think, or maybe not because that stone did it heal the, yeah. George. It healed it, the it girl. Healed George and it healed Suxi. Yeah. So I, was it actually the stone or was it another stone? And, you know, cause she runs back at the end with that, that whole scene was just nuts. Cause you really did get the first person throughout. Yeah. That that's the only part of the movie where you just feel like it's a first person movie. And it's so nuts because she's dealing with my first my favorite was when she's running back and she sees like the wall people and she just like stiffs on like, she's like I don't have like time for this move you know I got other stuff to she do just fucking like stiff arms this in. is time sensitive <laughs> really guys great. yeah yeah and then you know she's she's crawling through the 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 one watery part but then the blood you know it's but it turns to blood and then like her I don't know and then then she sees her dad and she. She goes to pull the hood off, and it's like her, you know, like that it whole was, thing. It was like if you were watching 
it, it, the legends of the hidden temple and you realize <laughs> this this wait that kid just put the silver monkey together in like two seconds this kid's got a shot <laughs> at getting all the way through yeah. this kid might make right oh my this, god she's gonna get all of the prizes she's gonna make it through and you're like we need like a there needs to be like a Mark Summers type person just, just yelling at with the a, a big microphone <laughs> with, with the box around it, with the name of the show on it, and it's like, oh, oh and yeah. now she's going up, she's going down the tunnel again, she's going down the tunnel of doom, and she's gone, <laughs> oh, she's made it through, the, and it's like just commenting on everything that's going on with like this. Oh my gosh, is she gonna get there? Is she gonna get there in time? Just. Oh. Just, just hundreds of screaming children in the studio audience. She's doing it. She's doing it. Oh my god! And then the winner gets a Toys R Us, uh, all like spending spree, like one minute in Toys R Us. Like, oh, Benji, that's, that's you winner. died, but you get a pair of British knights. <clears throat> that's right. You get that consolation prize. Uh, you get that year's supply of nutter yes. butters. Um, but yeah, so. It, things really pick up, I guess. I, I like, I, but what I was leading to, Benji has a moment where they—they're all. They, they, I think they've seen at least one person die. We haven't even talked about uh, Lapete or whatever oh, his yeah, name. The dude that just shows but, up. Uh, yeah, the mole who's <laughs> just sort of wandering through. They. They they set him up earlier. Oh yeah, there was this great explorer, Lapete or I don't know, Latit. I, I can't remember his name. I'm sorry. Uh, but it was like he was the greatest there was, and he got lost in there, and no one's ever seen him. And so we're just supposed to believe. I I it it couldn't have really been him, right? It wasn't him because <laughs> he, he he either goes crazy and um, and attacks Suxi because he's stuck in a cave for years, or he it was some sort of demon manifesting you know them like the there it was using what they knew against them or whatever i i think like i think Freddy that's Kruger. what it, i think that's what it had to be because it was one of those things is like it was a little bit ridiculous like oh yeah there's a guy he went he used to go in these caves and he's just he's been he's yeah. been lost for forever like that no felt a little hand-fisted honestly i mean it, it, it's one of those things like it's gonna be tough like how do we get out of this fast how do we get okay. out of this cave <laughs> How do we get out of this cave? Where was I? What was I talking about? Uh, oh, we were talking. We were talking about uh, the the guy that just uh, showed up out of nowhere. Oh yeah, yeah. So there's all these really weird things happening. There, there's the the dude who's preserved in the cave, and then he disappears. Just weird stuff. Uh, but Benji, or not Benji, but George, he kind of turns and he he goes, "Are we dead?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Dead? I love the way he delivered it. It's like, are we dead? This is not normal. Everything about this feels like, you know, like when you have like kind of a nightmare and there's all these sort of disparate things happening. None of it makes sense, but it's very visceral. That's kind of what, especially the part with Scarlet going back to return the stone that they took out and then realize that she had the power i i guess it's, i guess they were trying to tie in the whole as above so below meaning yeah and that's fine that's fine i, I really don't have many problems with the way this story is told the writing of the movie i mean like i said you can pull the thread on any movie and start picking out the the things that are wrong with it 
But I, I just prefer to go, look, hey, this was a really well-made found footage film. Uh, one, of, one of the best of its kind, honestly, in my opinion. And, uh, you know, we're, we're not likely to get too many more movies like this, if at ever at all. You know, we may not get... I'm sure somebody will take another crack at one. But will they ever be as big as they were? Like, are you going to see many more of these types of movies ever on the big screen? I don't know. Maybe. But... Well, it's... Uh, the... I, the Because, the, uh, I mean, there's a number... I mean, people are still churning them out. I know the VHS series has done a number of uh of movies that uh, you know have found footage element to them and it's it's yeah. the same kind of thing it's like you know when somebody wants to just slap something together to make a quick buck and like okay we put we mm-hmm. here's this story this story this story it's like if it's not really original or it's not really well done or nobody really cares about it it's going to continue to be the same kind of thing um and it's it, not necessarily yeah. like an indictment on the rest of the paranormal activity movies but it's like you had something that worked really well. It was kind of like, you know, uh, lightning in a bottle and it, you know, and then you try and recreate that. And it's like, that's not how it works. So it's like, yeah, some, some of these franchises really try, you know, like a saw or a final destination. Like they really try, they, they've established a framework and they're not gonna, like they will try to one up. Yeah. And that's definitely what the saw movies did. Like the death, you know, the traps were more elaborate. And they got more ridiculous and they got, as like the yeah. the story was still, I mean, like that's the thing. They just start to wane in credibility, and it's like, okay, well, these yeah. uh, the and I think that's the thing. It's like you know, we go back to things like the Blair Witch Project. We you can pick out the ones, and I do. I think, especially having seen this movie now, I would count it amongst the movies. It's like it's deserving of a place in that in that circle with Blair Witch and Paranormal yeah. Activity. It's yeah, like, yeah. It never gets mentioned with no. those movies, but it and should. it should because I mean it really is, you know it's it's an interesting story. It's and and I do think <clears> because <throat> the the spin they've put on it is that adventure component. It's like it's not just meant to be a straight up scary movie. It's like it would be mm-hmm. an intense action movie in and of itself if you took the supernatural part out of it. If you took that out as like a horror component and it was just like, okay, there's booby traps and they're, they're freaking out. They're a little scared because they're stuck in these catacombs. It would be tense yeah. for sure, but it could still just be an action movie. It could still just, or an adventure movie. It could still be like, okay, yeah. we have to, I mean, it would, if you took the opening sequence of Raiders of the Lost Ark when they're with the boulder and the little golden statue and all of the booby traps, if you took that and stretched it out over the course of a movie, where you have to wind your way through the tunnel and it's not just the, oh, I've made it to the little golden statue in the first two minutes. If that's the buildup mm-hmm. and then now now the, the okay, we found whatever it was we were looking for, but now we have to make it out of here. Okay, that's because that's the second yeah. arm of this. Like, okay, we get to it. Then there's all of these other things that happen and you're dealing with the supernatural stuff. And then you get to the point where it's like, okay, we're closing in on, we have to find our way out of here. And it's like... Yeah, and I like that they show you the yeah. way out too. Because you're right, most of these movies you see all of the adventure leading to the, you know, the the fertility yeah. idol, but you get none of the. Now we have to get out of here, which is equally dangerous, <laughs> you would imagine. But I I love the you know they they were saying like the only way is is down, you know like that was you know, they kept mentioning yeah. that, and they kept going down levels until they got to, uh, 
I don't know, I guess Satan's den or whatever. You know, there was the scene with the chair and the hooded, um, you yeah. know, figure uh, menacingly walking and, you know, they don't know if he's seen him. And you, you throw in the running zombie slash wall creatures and that speeds things up quite a bit. But there, there's just a lot of shit happening in this movie and it feels okay. Like, I'm over, I'm not completely overwhelmed by what's happening. Every places are making sense, you know, like Zed is with George and is is keeping him from being discovered by, you know, whatever's chasing them. And she is I mean, she's she's absolutely the hero. She is the Indiana Jones. She she gets them in this the situation and she gets them out. And I, I just loved I remember in because I saw this in theaters. I was really dig. I mean, it was kind of one of those movies where you hold your breath throughout the movie. And by the time they get to the well scene where they d- they jump in after they yeah. you know renounce their sin or whatever you know like they admit their sins Z- Zed's was only he had an, a kid that he didn't yeah it's like father or like I had a child out of wedlock and I haven't sister. really done anything with him like yeah, that felt very much like oh okay well yeah all right uh, many people would perish if if like I mean and that's a horrible thing to do to neglect your child not to no. your child don't get me wrong but it's not killing somebody yeah <laughs> um or letting someone die le- like watching them die i mean there, there's there's you can kind of understand those things but just so like hey i gotta i i, I like knocked up a li- bunch of ladies <laughs> and i don't want to take care it, of yeah that's, that's what i was like that's that shitty like he deserves to die exclusive. but he lives in in a hundred other movies like this 99 times he would die because of what he did but he lives somehow yeah um, I guess to protect George, but I kept waiting for him to be the final one to get picked off, but he didn't know. But as they fall through the well, uh, they, it's crazy. Cause you see that cover and they see it and they're like, tr- first thing they do is they try to lift it out. Like, you know, like yeah. you're going to pull up a manhole cover, but they can't, there's nowhere to grab. And then I almost as if like, well, I'm pushing myself up, you know, like I'm, you know, cause I, I need to push myself back up. And by doing that, like the manhole cover goes up yeah, or down in their case. And you're like, what is going on here? I just love the scene where they're coming up and, you know, uh, they, they, they still have the camera <laughs> hilariously. They, and they, they set it down and it's upside down. But the whole thing is like, they're coming out of it upside down. It's really neat. You know what I mean? Like the way they have to kind of pull themselves out. It, it almost looks like they really did pull, like they turned it around, but made them kind of pull their bodies through that way. Yeah. It, it didn't seem like just a trick of the camera. Like it really seemed like they were having to do it. And it, it was effective. It was really cool. And, you know, they made it through hell. Uh, they're back to the surface. And it's just like, you know, a manhole cover, like a regular old manhole cover. You would imagine, I mean, obviously if, they open that manhole cover the next day. It's nothing, right? It has to be nothing. Yes, I, I, that's what would happen to that man. Like that's a that is a gate that they temporarily open to get out because they, you know, they solved the puzzle. Yeah. And you know they they're just like completely distraught. They're they're hugging each other. You know they're complete strangers hours ago. They're just like grasping onto each other after what they've been yeah. through because they lose half of their crew in there. I, I, like I remember thinking to myself. Like in the moment, it was just one of those like, okay, this is a, I mean, 
this is completely off tone, but it's like, this is a, this is, I was like such a wasted opportunity to quote Ace Ventura. Do not go in there. People are like, <laughs> I recognize that reference, yeah. but this is neither the time nor the place for it, friend. We almost no, died. No, it would not fit. It would, it would fall like a, like a thud of a joke. Like, are you serious? Are you really saying that? But anyways, that, that's, that's as above, so below. I'm glad that we finally get a chance to talk about yes. it. I'm glad that you watched it and that I think you enjoyed I did. it. Yeah, I was. I don't. I don't know if you kind of came around to it or enjoyed it as much as like you know with Nope. I feel like you were just like okay on the movie, but by the end of the show, you were like, no, this is a cool movie. I, yeah, I. There was more for me to come around on on Nope. Like I yeah. was this this movie like the claustrophobia I hated, but in that kind of way, it's like okay. Not, not like oh this is a real detriment i gotta see what happens yeah it's next. not a detriment to the movie it's like no this is just okay this is a part of it and i was like all right I, i'm mm-hmm. enjoying like despite the fact that this is making me feel as constricted as it is this is i like where the story is going i like what we're doing i like the, yeah. the scares are earned it's you know and it's yeah. and it's unique because even no, not too many jump scares. Yeah, and even really, even yeah. in the fact that it is found footage, like one of the things that always really bothered me about the, the things like the Blair Witch Project, it's like okay, it's found footage, and I was like, even it's like okay, extrapolate that just a little bit here. If the whole of this journey out into the woods, going to this, ending up in this, because uh, clearly the camera's laying on the ground at the end, I was like. This mm-hmm. whole place is supposed to be haunted, bad. You're not supposed to go here. But for this movie to exist, someone else had to find, quote unquote, the yeah. footage. So it's when I was like, okay, right. I mean. It, it, but they live. So the footage is not even really important it's, to it, honestly. It, it, but it, like I, that was what I liked. It's like, okay, it's shot in that style, but there's even... Even that, you know, because we're the ones that give it the, you know, that genre of found footage. As like, it's yeah, yeah. it's it, true. It, it, but but it fit. I mean, it fits. It definitely fits. But it's it's really it's because it's this first person esque shooting. It's a different style of telling the story, and they're employing yeah. it in a way that's creative and, and unique. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's yeah. not that it's not like it's the greatest movie ever made. But it's when I was like, anymore, it feels like. Those are the extremes. People see, see they're like, oh, this is the height of reverie. I've loved this movie with every fiber <laughs> of my being. Or if it didn't reach that, it's just horseshit. This whole experience was a waste of my time. It's the, it was like, how can it just be? Yeah. It was either amazing or it was the worst thing I've ever seen. It's like, how can it just be it was good? Like, this, okay, it's an enjoy. Like, if you mean it was just good? Well, and, and especially <laughs> you didn't hate it or love it. It's just like we good. just we just got on the other side. I mean, it is it is you know it's November now, so it's like people aren't as you know into the Halloween thing. But it's like after being inundated right. that with that for as long as we were, it's like everybody's always talking about Freddie and Jason and Michael Myers and and all. I mean, all of the standard stuff. So it's like it is kind of because especially with horror movies, like you can have it now. You have like the big Hollywood ones that are well done. That a lot of people is like it, mm. the Conjuring, a lot of these things that have a have a good budget, you know, and are done pretty oh, yeah. well. 
real real hollywood yeah. stars i mean like okay this is this is just it's a hollywood movie but it's scary I was like, those, I mean, not like those were never the case, but they're far more prevalent now. But then like the alternative was just this, you know, okay, it's, it's that, or it's just this, you know, straight to video crappy, you know, whatever. It's like a movie like this to me feels like, okay, this is in that in between where it's like, it's not like Mm -hmm. it was just a no budget. I mean, $5 million. If somebody handed me $5 million, I don't have to, I don't have to work for the rest of my life. Like I'm set with $5 million. So like five million dollars in in our world today of everything's a billion here and ten million there and a hundred billion a trillion zillion we're just making up numbers now yeah five million dollars big budgets even though it was what eight years ago five million dollars is still a, a chunk of change to go and make a movie and I feel like they did a oh, good yeah. job with that and it's just unfortunate like I said that it doesn't get more of that recognition it's not you know people aren't like oh you need to go see as above so below. Because it's not Freddy, it's not Chucky, it's not, you know, it. So it's like, this is a good horror movie, a good scary movie that's not the status quo. It's not a cookie cutter. It's not a, oh, here's one on everybody's list. It's like, okay, you can go watch this. Like, same thing, like, You're Next. It's like, You're Next is not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. But I was so happy to find something new and a little bit different. And I was like, okay, I like this. Oh, yeah. So it's like... Oh, I liked it too. But as we talked about in the that episode of your next, I thought Ready or Not is just a oh, better yeah, version absolutely. of that movie. It was like with this, is like that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy your next. I this, did this movie. But I couldn't help but have that thought. Like, there's a worse version of this movie out there. Do you ever see the movie where it was about Chernobyl and the found footage crew is going to, um, basically explore the radioactive hotspots at Chernobyl, but there turns out to be some like hellish creatures. I think I know what you're, I don't think I ever saw it, but I think I know what you're talking about. It's a, it, it literally is a piece of shit. Like I can't, I have really, cause I, at the time, especially I was very, uh, into the history of Chernobyl. It's just a horrifying thing that happened. And because it happened like people's whole ways of lives, forever changed not not just the people in the ukraine who were physically affected but also and being a part of you know that region the disgrace that went along with something like that in that time was almost as bad to them as the physical harm that was happening to them you know like they also they lost so much face because of that and then they take this movie and they kind of put that wrapper around it. Like, ooh, you know Chernobyl's scary. There's some weird stuff down there. Let's let's make a monster movie, but with Chernobyl outside. It just didn't work. This was different. This just really did, I feel like it succeeded bringing in all of these kind of ideas together. You got the, the, the Nicholas Flamel and the Philosopher's Stone and the Dante's Inferno and just spelunking in general and um, just, just all these things, all of these guilts and, and things that are eating away at our characters that they're living with. It's bubbling to the surface by the end of the movie. All of these things are, there's just, just a lot of stuff. You, you could take a bunch of notes while watching this movie. There's a lot of stuff happening, Yeah, but, and it does wrap up, you know, I'm not going to lie. The movie wraps up pretty crazily and, and fast pace in, in a bit of a, 
you know, like, you know, I love your analogy of just like the, the, the game show, yeah. the Nickelodeon game show where they're, they're running through like a maze or whatever. It does kind of feel like that in some ways you could definitely edit a YouTube video, a funny one <laughs> yeah. with what we described, you know, Mark Summers. That like, would be pretty fantastic. Narrating. Actually, now that I think about it. Oh my God. <laughs> you, you could do that and it would be funny. <clears throat> But that I do notice that this movie doesn't get its due a lot of times when you yeah. read through those long Reddit um, threads of movies that are great that don't get a lot of recognition or hidden gems. Um, once out of about every 30 people, somebody will drop in as above, so below. But the reason I think that it's not mentioned more is that nothing too crazy happens. Yeah. You know, like I, I see a lot of movies like Bone, like Tomahawk. Uh, was it uh, Bone something or other? I don't uh, know. Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. But it's got a, it's, it's got, it's like a western, but it's got this real crazy twist. Yeah. To, like, like violent, grotesque thing that happens towards the end that comes out of nowhere, and people, you know, people are probably more willing to go give that a try just so they get to that scene and go like, oh god, that was fucked up. You know, it's like two girls, one cup. Like you can't look away yeah. from it. <laughs> and you really need uh, to. I can't believe it took us like 90 whole episodes to to reference two girls one cup. I'm really disappointed in us. That was what we were building towards to guys. Boom. All of it. <laughs> but none, none nothing like that really happens. So it has to it just has to be a good movie and it it's not so great as as evidenced by the opinion of so many people. Like this movie to them is not even good. It's bad. Like when you're when you got like a twenty, or when you when you're below thirty, the consensus is typically not good. Even if you're one of those people that just typically gives everything a pass and the benefit of the doubt, finds something good in everything. When you got a score that low, you're just going most of it's yeah. shit. I mean, maybe there's a good thing here, but uh, I don't know. I, I I would like to see more people come around to this movie, and, and you know. I, within time they will i wonder too if people looked at it and go i bet it's just like the descent i could see I which could was see another kind of yeah another kind of popular movie about uh monsters in a cave and but there's they couldn't be more completely yeah, different this, this is nothing i mean it's so yeah, different whole different ball of wax um so if you're not watching it because you didn't like the descent, Stop it. i would urge Watch you it. to maybe give it a try it's streaming on peacock i yeah. think right now if you I have that so. Uh, or you can buy it. I bought it cheap. It was like eight bucks Blu-ray. Uh, the only, I really wish if there's a DVD with a commentary, I would love to hear some commentary tracks on this movie. I would find it really interesting. Their kind of research, like why they chose this lore over that lore. You know, like I would like to hear some things and I'm sure there are some interesting anecdotes just filming down in the catacombs. I mean, wow. <laughs> What a what a weird and airy kind of place to be to start with. Yeah. So, anyways, um, are we going? Are we going another week or another episode into to Spooktacular? Do you have this is the part of the show where we kind of make our announcement for our next movie, <clears throat> or are we taking a hiatus? What what's it going to be? If if we wanted to do one more, and this is, um, and I'm not, I'm not promising anything to you kids out there in listener land, um. Yeah, if we wanted to do one more, simply because we've, because I had I had one that I was thinking about for the finale, that actually actually at this point, uh, if we're gonna do one more, I would change it, 
just because something else has okay. recently become available that I would I really want to uh, I just loved it I would want to talk about. So if we are going to do one more, hey, which I'm not promising okay. that we are. Yeah, we're gonna. I think we're gonna do one more. I think that's what we're I, saying. I, Let's do at least we, one we, more. We, you guys may get one more. You might get one more. <laughs> um, we might disappear we until might, the new we year. Might not, it might be. Who knows? Who knows when the next time why you'll hear from us? By the way, why aren't more of you people checking on us when we disappear for so yeah, long? Yeah, I could be lost. <laughs> I could be dead in the cave, and you have no idea. You didn't yeah. even check on us. No one's looking for yeah. us. No one's wondering where we went. This is where I should like, Vietnam, click maybe. the uh, the click the like and subscribe and uh, comment below for <laughs> oh, uh, yeah yeah all, all the those comments that the YouTube kids are doing, but but. Uh, I'm going to challenge our listeners to reach out to us one of these days, just like right at the top of the show. Like, hey, we're not starting the show until some I'm gonna of you all sit tweet here. us. Tweet at I'm us. I'm going to sit here <laughs> until someone reaches out. <laughs> we're just going to sit in silence and awkward. We're not going to talk about if, anything. If, if movies, somebody reaches life out, anecdotes. somebody reaches out to us, then we'll do another one. Then we'll do yeah. We'll we'll do one more spook. Well, I can't say that now. At the I mean, I don't know how many people are going well, to listen. Like better listen to this hours of, and reach out. You better. Well, you're, we might do it. We might do the, it. You guys are the chosen. So ones. just don't worry. We, we might still do it either way. I, there's a chance we'll do it either way. Um, there there may or may not be a a secret in the next episode embedded could be. that you could only figure yeah. out if you've listened. Could be to a this secret contest. Episode. Probably not going to be, but it could be. Yeah. You don't know. Probably not. It's definitely it's not, not, but, but it, it could. could be. It could. It's I'm a just possibility. Saying, don't be confused by of my all words. the things that it could be, <laughs> that could be one of them, it, but it's just probably it not. could be one of them. Could but if we do... Bon Jovi might be in our next episode. If we're going to do... I'm, I'm just saying. If we're going to do another episode, I do want to do the 2022... Oh, well, what? A brand new horror movie? Yes. Another, br- Another brand, brand new, brand new horror right. movie. I would love to do Smile, which is streaming now on Paramount+. Plus. Fantastic Smile. That, yeah, that did just come out, and you were very... I loved it. Um, I, I've heard other yeah, people that you, did. You, you definitely... The feedback was very positive from you. I, the, from the I, I haven't watched it yet, so this will be fun for me. I'll, I'll, I now have... I, I was always planning to do it, but now I kind of have to do it. Now it's, like it's a homework. requirement. <laughs> That's the kind of yeah. motivation you need. It was like, I'm going to enjoy this. I'm being forced to watch it. But I enjoy I, I enjoyed it immensely. This this it could be this could be my nope, and you watch it like it's okay. And then we talk about it like, oh, okay. uh, I see now that this movie is far greater than I initially because I, I'm I'm happy about that because I I have since picked up nope. I need to watch it again. But I had no I had no plans I, to purchase it, and I now own it because of our podcast. The the thing about um, Smile that has got me excited, and it's kind of like that with Barbarian too. I don't know what it's about at all. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not gonna look it up. So I'm gonna be I'm gonna be surprised. Like I'm gonna have my ideas going into the movie that I'm sure are completely not it. Um, it'd be kind of interesting if they were it, but. I, I love going into a horror movie not knowing anything about it. That's the way I saw Get Out. And that's why I've seen a lot of movies that I really like. So I think that's a... If you see too many trailers, if you know too much about a scary movie, you see the scares and the jump yeah. scares and all that. It just takes away It really from does. It. So, and that's why 
you know, I continued on with our little like music section in the beginning because I, like, I don't want to play the trailer up front. It's just too much. I, I have enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. Well, we're going to continue that. I'm going to have to find you get. There's a lot of possibilities with with smiles. Oh, there are. <laughs> the there's so many. Smile. And I'm going to try and come at you with an, one you're not expecting. Oh, that makes me excited. You might. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, so for this episode, this is week. This is episode five of the twenty. 22 Spooktacular. Halloween five, five, five are in the books. We're going to go for one more. Make it an even six. And who knows? Maybe make it an eight. I don't know. Oh, oh the music played out. I missed what? it. Yes. That's how you end an episode. 